You're tuning in to the Raised by Rentals program. This podcast will contain strong language and spoilers for decades-old media properties. Welcome, everybody. This is the podcast where we examine pop culture franchises of the VHS era and improv news stories right here off the dome to imagine how we might improve our favorite movies, TV, and games. I'm Josh. I'm Mike. And we were raised by rentals. Mike, it's our 12th full-length episode. Wow. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm, I'm honestly surprised we're, we're making these happen so quick. Yeah, I think so. I don't know what it is about, like, the number 12. It seems satisfying. Like, maybe it's because, like, it's like a dozen or, you know, just a multiple of six. I don't know what it was. Like, we got to the 10th episode, which was, you know, the real genius. And it was like, cool, we admitted to double digits, but it wasn't, like, <laughs> special. I didn't really feel like it was any different than any other episode. But yeah. this one does feel different. Uh, something about it being the 12th episode and then just the topic, you know, that we picked as well. I think oh, yeah. that I did more preparation for this show than I ever have before for any of our other episodes, like more homework. And yet at the same time, I have no idea what we're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of in the same boat. And I think uh, this is one of those topics that's difficult for me because it's so close to the chest. It's something that I hold very near and dear. So it's like, I'm almost afraid to mess with it. <laughs> Yeah, and for me, it's it's such a huge, huge property with so many elements that even setting aside the idea that, you know, if some fantasy movie that we came up with were ever to be real and we would, like, piss off certain, you know, fanboys in the audience for not including this character or that character. I mean, whatever. That aside, I right. I just don't – it's it's hard to know where to start because there's, there's yeah. so much, you know. Um, but yeah, anyway, so let, let's not bury the lead, Mike. What is this? Again, this was another one of uh, your ideas, and uh, hopefully this will be kind of a special episode. So cue us up. What are we doing? Well, uh, we got to talking about the movies of our youth, as we always do, and G.I. Joe the movie came up. Uh, the animated feature, I believe, was was 87 or 88, somewhere around there. It was um, actually 1987. Yep. Okay, cool. I knew it was movie. in that era. <laughs> it was a great, great year for film. Like, we could go off on a side tangent, which we won't. I won't stop you. But, man, 1987 was just, like, a killer, killer for, for oh, Hollywood yeah. movies. But, anyway, continue. But that's the thing. Like, as a, as a kid, you know, I loved this movie. You know, the, the animated movie, I was all about it. In the same way I was all about the Transformers animated movie. Now, I will argue the Transformers animated movie still holds up to this day because they took some insane risks with that film. I mean, it's it's got some flaws, but it definitely is a is a pretty rocking movie. This I went through a phase where I didn't like it and I was kind of remembering just the crappier parts of the film. Um having rewatched it critically for this episode, I got to say, I found myself really enjoying the 87 movie. Um, so it's one of those things. We, we Before we did our homework, our concept was let's do a live action G.I. Joe movie in the 80s. And what would that look like? Like who would be cast in it? You know, what kind of craziness would, would the story have or what kind of craziness mm -hmm. would the story have? Um, but yeah, 
in in preparation for this, I watched all of the G.I. Joe movies except for uh, Snake Eyes because I'd actually seen that a few months a few months back. Um, so I didn't feel like I needed to rewatch it. But I'm shocked to say how much I freaking enjoyed the properties. And I had problems with all of them upon, you know, initial watchings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I watched uh, the G.I. Joe the movie from 1987, mm-hmm. the animated uh, full-length feature. And then I watched the 2009 Rise of Cobra and to 2013 Retaliation, which yep. I, I couldn't help but notice immediately. It was like, it's one of those R titles that we bitched about in a Rental Ranch <laughs> yep. episode, like, you know, the revenge or the resurrection or the return or whatever. At least in this case, they really were, like, trying to get Retaliation for something, so it wasn't right. a complete misnomer. But uh, it was still, like, ha, another one of those R titles. Yep. But yeah, I was I was surprised because I remember seeing the 2009 uh, Rise of Cobra in the theaters. And I don't know, maybe I was up too much up my own ass and, and too uh, snotty about film at the time. But I remember seeing it and just being pissed, like just not enjoying myself and being angry about everything. <laughs> um, and it's it's funny because like after watching it now. I don't know. I had a lot more fun with it. I love the designs. And and that's one thing I gave it even back in the day is that the the vehicle designs and some of the like crazy suits like the the Delta suits or whatever they were called um they made for great toys. Like and mm-hmm. I I will I will argue that the Rise of Cobra uh t- toy line was freaking insane. It was a lot of fun. But I have a ton of problems. Like, why are they all in black? Like, it was that early 2000s, like, uniforms be damned, everyone wear black. You know, good guys wear black, bad guys wear black, everyone's in black, black leather. And I'm <laughs> like, really? Do we have to do that? Like, I love retaliation because they're like, this is a military fantasy. You are going to be in military fatigues with cool body armor. Like, all right, that works. It looks military. <laughs> um, but I, the one thing that always sticks in my head that's a problem from the 2009 movie it's something that one of our friends uh, said after he saw it, Steve, <laughs> he was he was talking to me about it. He goes, OK, I know you're a big fan of G.I. Joe. I'm like, yeah, he goes, so is is the Baroness from the movie like the one like, is that what she's like in the other media? And I'm like, no, no, the Baroness in the movie is, is completely wrong. And he goes, because I feel like the entire movie was like a long winded explanation of why she doesn't have an accent. And I lost it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> it kind of is, yeah. Oh, man. Well, so I'll say, yeah, let's start there. I definitely want to go back and talk about G.I. Joe, the movie, the animated version um, from 1987. But in terms of, so, you know, here we, I never actually saw The Rise of Cobra or Retaliation ever. I watched them for the first time this week. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and it's because... Even though I was a huge you know, G.I. Joe fan as a kid, I didn't really stick with this, um, you know, with G.I. Joe as a fan as I got older. I, I read some of the comics, especially the ones that came out in the early 2000s. I should say like the relaunch era of the comics. Um, and, and I really like a lot of the a lot of the books that were coming out from I think it was like IDW and Devil's yeah, Devils Do. There you go. And so I liked a lot of those comics. I have some of them. I have this really great graphic novel. I think she, I think you gave it to me, actually, written by Max Brooks uh, of uh, World War Z fame uh, called Hearts and Minds. That's a really good, uh, really good graphic novel. It's got some cool, like, origin stories in it. But I just, I, I've always really liked G.I. Joe, but I think really more for the nostalgia, more so than actually enjoying, like, what I had <laughs> as, like, an older person or as an adult, like, in terms of I'm not a toy collector 
And, you know, the animated movie was okay, I guess, when I was a kid. And, like, I still looked fondly on the toys and on the the, car- the, the cartoon. And But, again, it wasn't something that I wanted to go back and really revisit a whole lot. I just enjoyed the nostalgia of it. I enjoyed talking about it. You know, all the stories I came up with for my own characters that you and I would talk about. Oh, I used to do this. And, you know, they had this big elaborate, you know, tale of this, you know, bunker in the snow or whatever, you know. And I've <laughs> right. always really – I just always really liked the characters. And I had sort of a soft spot for G.I. Joe because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm obviously a gigantic comic book fan. And my first comic book, my first like true comic book off of like a spinner rack was an issue of G.I. Joe uh, with Road Pig on the cover. And yes. <laughs> uh, and so it was like that was my gateway into comics. You know, I love the Marvel uh, comics. I got into them kind of late because that issue was like 91, I think it was. Um, so I never I never read through the whole series. But, you know, I've gone back and I've read a lot of the key issues and I've always really enjoyed it. Um so I, I, it, it has this sort of like special place in my life, but it wasn't something that I was really actively seeking out as an adult. Like, again, enjoying, I'm, I was enjoying the nostalgia of it. Like, like I tried to get back into Thundercats at one point and I realized, man, this stuff is just not that good. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, like I'm eh. kind of with you on Thundercats. I, I <laughs> never got fully into them, even as a kid. Yeah, just better left in the past, you know. And yeah. I kind of, I kind of lumped GI Joe into that, but I was actually excited about the live action movie. I thought, oh, this is perfect because I really like it when people make live action, like modern retellings of you know older properties. Hell, like that's this whole podcast is us doing like a fantasy football version of that all the time. You know? Exactly. Uh, so I really enjoy it, but. I didn't watch the 2009 movie because of the Transformers movies, mostly because I absolutely fucking hated the first live action Transformers movie. And I never watched anything else after that. Not the Bumblebee, not nothing. None of the sequels. Uh, I just I couldn't stand it. I, I hated their approach to it. I hated the way that they tried to make it like sexy and adult. I hated the special effects. I hated the look of the Transformers. I just think that they missed on every single count right down right down to like bad acting. Like it just it was a complete failure across the board. Transformers mm-hmm. was it was just a piece of shit. And uh, <laughs> um, and. So when G.I. Joe came out and that's all I saw was, oh, God, look at the special effects. Look at the stupid, you know, uh, mech suits and like, you know, and they're trying to make it funny and they're just reinventing the characters and they're making up new shit instead of using characters from the cartoons that we care about. And I was just like hard pass. Like, I don't give a fuck. It just looks so stupid Um, with it, with with the exception of like some of the some of the effects and some of the actors in the movie I liked, uh, you know, so I was like, okay. And then, yeah, and when Retaliation came out, it looked really cool. I got to say, it looked really cool. And I'm a big fan of The Rock. Um, mm. So I, it was like I wanted to see it, but I'm like, oh, fuck, I got to go back and watch the other movie first, don't I? And, <laughs> <laughs> yep. and literally, it's been like nine years, and I was like, ugh. Eh, maybe someday, maybe someday. You know? <laughs> and so I finally had a reason to watch it. So that was my long winded like uh, preface into saying I did, in fact, really enjoy retaliation. I thought it was great. I really liked the military approach to it. I liked the um, the pairing down of the characters. So a small cast it makes it easier to like identify. And it's an easy like entry point for people. I liked the fact that it was a true sequel to the rise of cobra yet they shifted the tone and the genre a little bit to make it you know a little bit less cartoony uh, a little bit less for kids uh, and 
so that I think it 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 appeals to a wider uh, age group, like kids and adults. And then so going backwards from there, that was my problem with Rise of Cobra is it just looked really stupid. It and they, it was one of those things where they changed so much about it for no fucking reason whatsoever. Like there was no yep. good reason why the Baroness wasn't you know some actual like foreign aristocrat. There was no reason that you know half the Joes we got we met either weren't toys at all or they were characters that like no one gave a fuck about like where's the main cast you know right uh, i i bitched and i know you heard me bitch about this i bitched relentlessly about why was it duke and ripcord instead of duke and stalker why wasn't stalker there like why why wasn't he playing stalker damn it yeah exactly and, and so as i'm watching the movie I found that, well, first of all, I'll just say I enjoyed it in terms of like, this is a stupid popcorn action flick. I did like some of the story elements. I hated everything to do with the Baroness, every scene that she was in, everything that they did with her, every story element, her entire involvement just completely ruined the movie. But, you know, Channing Tatum and was it Marlon Wayans have like a lot of chemistry. I liked the fact that they tried to still make it like kind of kid friendly and like kind of jokey and funny because that was very much in line with the cartoon. Like they didn't have to take themselves so seriously. And so there's a lot of cool stuff about it. I liked, you know, Destro and I liked um, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, you know, again, lots of things to enjoy about it. Uh, didn't like Snake Eyes, but I love Storm Shadow. So it yeah. was like I was kind of like a little, little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, you know, the mouth on Snake Eyes. Why? <laughs> That's like the so... worst creative decision ever. <laughs> right. It just looks it looks... So... so for me, the whole movie oh. was like it was like there were so many great ideas and then so many missed opportunities because it felt like it was it was a script that was completely rewritten by like a conference room full of execs who were like, what are the kids like these days? You know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if the if the if the rumors were true, but I remember reading an article. I want to say, God, it might have been in Toy Fair magazine when that was still going, um, when they were talking about the rise of Cobra, uh, the toy line, and there was like a bunch of talk about the script, and they were saying that apparently this was like a shelf script, like one of those scripts where mm-hmm. you know Hollywood buys up a script and they're like, all right, we'll eventually use it. And like it was yeah. this <laughs> weird sci-fi espionage, like nanomite tech thriller. And they just put it, you know, uh, put a skin of G.I. Joe on it. And yeah, it, totally, like, it totally felt that way. Yeah, I, I could totally see that. And, and I do have to say, like, God, we were really obsessed with the idea of nanomites in the in the 2000 in the early 2000s. We? <laughs> we, we really were. It was, it was <laughs> everywhere. It was it was like the, you know, like uh, toxic waste from like the 90s, yes. you know, <laughs> we, even, we even got nanomites in our Jason movies. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God. And, uh, you know, and as much as I love Uber Jason, I was like, could it not be nanomites? Can we find a different way to do that, please? (laughs) Could we just have, like, a robot, like, jam pipes in him and shit? I know, right? Especially since, like, they put Dr. Mindbender in Rise of Cobra. Like, does it have to be nanobites? When you've got Dr. Mindbender, it doesn't need to be nanobites, you know? Exactly. Uh, And so, like, in in terms of, like, again, like, the casting and the choice of characters and, like, mentioning it's a shelf script. And so what it felt like is it felt like it was – they came up with all of the elements for things they want to put in a movie. Like people like Channing Tatum, like Marlon Wayans is funny. You know, let's get Dennis Quaid, like whatever. It was like, let's put all these people in a movie. And then it's like, oh shit. Like, is there a character that Marlon Wayans can play? Who's he going to, who's he going to play? It was like, they did it backwards. You know right. what I mean? Instead of like writing a GI Joe movie and then finding people to fit the role who were correct or who were a good fit for that character. Instead, they just, 
they cast the actors, you know, they hire the special effects, uh, you know, firm, they pick the script off of a shelf somewhere, blew the dust off of it. And they say, cool, mash all this together, call it GI Joe. And some poor, like jobber hack writing the script was like, okay, you know, I guess like figure this <laughs> oh, shit my- out. <laughs> I got to solve it. Yeah. I mean like the, the ripcord thing bugged the shit out of me just because it was like stalker and Duke were friends. Like it would make sense to have these two guys, like have each other's back, you know, in the movie. But it's like they took, you know, a halo jumper with ripcords. They're like, all right, let's let's take this character that's a halo jumper and make him be basically what was stalker in the comics and cartoons. So that's fine. All right. Then we're going to have him be obsessed with flying jets and we're going to have Scarlet call him Ace. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> you're just mixing too many characters. I know. You're getting your peanut butter in my chocolate and my mayonnaise. Like, stop it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you're fucking it up. Oh, it's too much. It's too many. Yeah, and it, exactly. It was just, it was a lot of bad decisions. But again, there were good things about it. I like that G.I. Joe was like international, which they totally retconned in the next movie, you know, oh, yeah. but I like that aspect of it. You know, I, I there were a lot of things to enjoy. I really liked Destro. He was my favorite character. Again, it, sh- it sucks that he got sidelined in the second movie. Although yeah. that stupid flashback that they start the movie out with is just a complete piece of shit waste of time. Where right. they tried they tried to explain Destro's metal face that he was like a descendant of like the Man in the Iron Mask or some <laughs> bullshit, some <laughs> Scottish terrorist. It's like oh, it's just it's so pointless. It was it was like they were really trying to make it like. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know, highfalutin or something. And it's like, right. this is a, it's called GI Joe guys. Like just have some fun with it. Uh, but yeah, just, it fell into the same trap as Masters of the universe where they took a bunch of elements from the property. And then they were like, yeah, this is stupid. And this is for kids and we're, we can do, and we we're in Hollywood and we know better. We can make this better. And they just like, fucking ruined it. Yeah. Now see, I will say this with retaliation that there, there are, there are a few things that really pissed me off. Um, I, overall, I like the film. I actually think it is a fun action movie. Um, and I'm not a big action movie guy. Like I like my action movies from the eighties and some of like a lot from the nineties, but a lot of the stuff in the early two thousands, I just kind of lost interest in. Um, I pretty much get all my action now in superhero movies, but, (laughs) uh, (laughs) but you know, like I, I do enjoy this film, but there's two moments that just really pissed me off. Number one. Why are Cobra Commander and Destro suddenly in a weird subterranean prison that is so deep it's in international territory or something, rather than being in the pit? Because remember, G.I. Joe is not dismantled yet. So they were prisoners in the pit in the first movie, and now suddenly it's just, oh yeah, some place out in Germany, and it's really deep. It's a mine shaft. It's like, wait, what? Yeah, deep in the ground. That was weird. And then the other thing that just irked the shit out of me was when President Zartan was talking about uh, having to basically take out the Joes, you know, setting them up for their, their you know, being, them being the bad guys. He talked about his elite force known as Cobra. He yep. mentions the name Cobra earlier in the film. He refers to the villain being held prisoner as Cobra Commander. Yeah, right? Like, why wouldn't people be like, wait a second? <laughs> Let's put, that put seems two and two odd. Together. Right? Put two and two together. 
Uh, honestly, I, I mean, there's like I could quibble like with this and that, but I think to me the only two things that really annoyed me with the movie were the fact that Flint did absolutely nothing. He was completely pointless to the entire movie. He had he was like just there no to do parkour. Yeah, exactly. He had no story arc. He was just the guy that like Duke saved his life once, and that was it. Like, <laughs> you know, he, he just yeah. sorry that just. Duke saved my life once like that. That's it. Like, oh yeah, come, welcome to the Joes, you know. Like, and oh, I, and I and then I and then I hated how quickly they had Storm Shadow like switch sides and like they did this weird flashback and they explained all this bullshit about you know how he didn't really kill the Hardmaster and it was just it was so like shoved in and forced and. I, granted, I know that it's a sequel to another movie, but since there was such a big like tonal shift and they were like really explaining a lot of things so that if you hadn't seen Rise of Cobra, you'd probably be OK. But they just like shoved this flashback in out of nowhere and with no explanation. So if you hadn't seen Rise of Cobra, it would be, you know, you, you could follow along, but it would be yeah. even more like ham fisted than it already was. So that that was stupid to me. But, you know, yeah, whatever. In general, I, I thought it was a great movie. I thought it was they they fixed it. In my opinion, yes. you know, they fixed. I would have liked to see a sequel. Yeah, I agree. They really course corrected, you know. And and in terms of like your criticism about like the underground prison, one thing I liked about the movie that I know other people didn't like about it, I heard some feedback, and I liked, and I mentioned it before that they had really pared down the cast and they're really focusing on like a small group of people. Um, I wish I would have liked to have seen. G.I. Joe actually be like completely destroyed the way that they explain it because all we got to see was like one combat camp in the middle of like the Indian desert somewhere and but then they then they explained like off camera that they had destroyed like all of G.I. Joe and so I would have liked to have seen more of that because I feel like paring it down to like the what's left of G.I. Joe like the rem the remains the remnants who have to like claw back from the brink of death and and termination that to me was a great story that's exactly yeah. how they should have done the sequel but I know a lot of people were complaining that like there's like fucking thousands of people in G.I. Joe if you see the first movie and there's like mm -hmm. tons and tons of these like codenamed operatives including people like Ripcord and Scarlet from the Rise of Cobra that we didn't even get to find out what happened to them and like they were just gone off screen and I thought that was a mistake they should have had something to explain what happened to everybody you know and what happened to the pit what happened to all of their other resources because they just like disappeared yeah See, and that's the thing. They they could have easily explained some of that away in the opening of the film. Like we could have, you know, when they were doing like the file card thing, they could have been like, you know, uh, dangerous, uh, dangerous prisoners. Destro and Cobra Commander have been taken to a, an international, you know, prison cell or so. You know, basically because remember, GI Joe was international in the first movie, so it would have made sense that these, you know, these mm -hmm. are terrorists across the globe. Let's put them in you know, some, some unified prison that everyone agrees on, like, yeah, stick them underground, you know, that would have <laughs> yeah. made sense, but no, we're just kind of just going to ignore the fact that they were in the pit. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually you make a good point there too, is that, yeah, they could have done something like that too, to explain why GI Joe is no longer international. And right. they could have used that as a means of explaining why GI Joe is a much smaller organization. Again, it could have been something at the beginning that they did in, in some kind of a, of a crawl or a news feed or whatever to yeah. explain after, you know, GI Joe let Paris get destroyed in the first <laughs> movie, you know, and they, they 
they brought their battle across so many international lines. There could have been something where it was like, hey, look, we don't want G.I. Joe to be international anymore. We're pulling all of our like foreign operatives out of there. You know, no more uh, uh, heavy duty, no more breaker. Like we're taking them back. You know, if you Americans want to keep your Joe shit, you have fun, you know, and then yeah. boom, now you have it where you have a smaller organization. They don't have as much resources. They don't have as, ma- as much money and you pare it down and then you blow up a huge camp somewhere and you're left with like six people, you know, and yeah. that would have been great. Also, the Rizza sucks as an actor. I'm sorry, Rizza, I love you, but you can't, <laughs> know, act. Right? You can't act, so you should probably stop. <laughs> I, I, will, I will say this. The, the look they gave him in the film made for a damn cool action figure. <laughs> it, did, it did. I know the Rizza listens to this, and we love you, man, but <laughs> exactly. stop, stop acting. <laughs> Wu-Tang for life. Yes. Um, but going back to the original 80s cartoon, like there's a few things, or uh, 80s movie. I want to say a couple things about it. Number one, the biggest complaint I have always heard from from detractors of the film is monsters have no place in G.I. Joe. Monsters have always been a part of G.I. Joe. Hell yeah. Like, and, and I remember arguing with a few friends about this. I was like, OK, the cartoon way before the film had monsters. I was like, does, does no one remember the fatal the fatal furries? <laughs> <laughs> right. They were those weird little uh, like I don't they, they looked almost like popples. And then, like, they would get, they would grow into these big, like, bio-organic, like, monsters. Um, mm-hmm. I remember the, the whole episode about that. Then there was when they were going around the, the world trying to get the elements for the mass device. Uh, there's this whole underwater sequ- er, sequence where they fight the worms of death. <laughs> these <laughs> giant sea serpents that look like the fucking dream demons from Nightmare on Elm Street 6. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then the, I, I think that the craziest one, it, it's unnamed. It's an unnamed pink tentacle eyeball monster in the fucking basement of Destro's castle. And yep. we find out this whole history of Clan McCullen and like how they worship this weird Lovecraftian monster. <laughs> and it's like, OK, so the cartoons has always had monsters. And then the toy line. We had the the freaking uh, Mega Marines that that whole line that had monsters. We had the Star Brigade, which had aliens. We had Toxo zombies. Like monsters have always had a place in GI Joe. Yeah. Well, even before the three and three quarter inch, you know, toy line and mm-hmm. the great the real American hero like cartoon, like the original GI Joe, they were like you know, action soldier like dolls. But then yep. they did this. There was this whole like secondary era. The realistic hair kung fu grip era of gi joe that a lot of people remember really fondly was the joes as like a special ops uh like sci-fi team fighting like mummies and monsters and going into space and fighting aliens and stuff so like even before the incarnation of gi joe that most people are familiar with the joes existed to battle the types of foes that like the normal military wasn't going to be able to handle you know and and that's always how I've viewed G.I. Joe. And even looking at the movies, in the first one, it kind of made sense. In Retaliation, not quite so much. But again, the focus of G.I. Joe was we're this huge organization. We're not getting involved in like every little war that goes on on the earth. But when something really over the top happens, some crazy sci-fi shit, boom, there we are. And that's exactly, what, and that's exactly what they're supposed to be there for. They're a sci-fi military unit. They're the military men in black. 
Yeah, that's exactly what they are. Yeah, totally. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's why they have cool code names and, you know, fucking in, invisibility suits and laser guns and shit. Right. You know, like they're not a normal military outfit. Hell, we have we have plenty of those and there's plenty of those that exist in pop culture. We don't we don't need that. You know, the Joes don't need to be super realistic. Again, I yeah. liked Retaliation. It's my definitely my favorite of the three movies that I watched because I did not I did not watch Snake Eyes. Um, but at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I did. I will say that's another criticism I had. Of, while it really worked for the movie that they made, I really wish that Retaliation would have kept more of the sci-fi elements. There's still a lot of yeah. sci-fi shit in there, but like they really toned it down. I think Rise of Cobra probably took it too far <laughs> with Indianamites yeah. and shit. Um, they needed to find that happy middle ground. Yeah, totally. And I think a sequel in a sequel, they could have done that. You know, we could have brought back Cobra Commander and, you know, I was just waiting for like Destro to like break out and come back. And then he's got his whole other like annihilators group. Like, right. He's like he's like a whole like third the iron faction. grenadiers. That's it. That's what that's what I was trying to think of. Yeah. Annihilators, that one character with like the the helicopter pack. Yeah, exactly. I the that. iron. I fucking love him, too. But yeah, the iron grenadiers. Exactly. And I love that when they did that, 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 uh, that launch of the toy lines. One of my favorite eras of the toy line some of my favorite characters ever the iron grenadiers were just badass and oh, i would yeah. that would have been amazing like you know trilogy like a third movie in the trilogy is you bring destro back as the big bad and now you've got like a three-way battle it would have been awesome but see we're already getting into the uh you know into the this part of the show where we start what ifing each other you know right <laughs> and so like let's uh let's kind of get into the breast text of what we're here for well, a few, few quick things I want to mention. I know you said that you haven't seen uh, Snake Eyes, but mm-hmm. one thing it does do, like, it, it's a serviceable action film. It's got some cool kung fu fights and all that, but it it tones down the magic and mysticism and aliens and, you know, mutants and all that shit of the G.I. Joe franchise pretty much. Like, it tones it back really, really well, and then it adds it out of nowhere so okay. it, it's very jarring where it's like, whoa, wait, what? <laughs> like, so <laughs> there's some weird magic shit that goes down in that movie. It works. I'm I still enjoyed my time with the film. It's it's totally a popcorn action mm. movie. It's nothing to write home about. It's serviceable. It's fun. I will watch it again. Um, I have my problems with it, like I do all the G.I. Joe movies. But once again, like Retaliation, I don't think they found that sweet spot. Like, they were focusing on the military fantasy, which I appreciate, but then they tried to, like, shoehorn in the craziness, and it was like, eh, I don't feel that was earned. Yeah. <laughs> like, it didn't work. <laughs> well, I mean, side trail, like, that's how I felt about uh, Daredevil, the Netflix TV show, and I'm not sure if it was season two or season three, because it all kind of blurred together in my head, but when with the storyline with Electra, and I'm not sure how much of you've seen of it. So I don't want to, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't want to ruin anything, but that's a, what you said is exactly how I felt about the show. I loved Electra in the show. I loved the storyline They they went down, um, you know, in, in those seasons, but yeah, I felt like at a certain point, it just veered into like this, like sort of magic sci-fi uh, realm out of nowhere. <laughs> and it was yeah. really like, it made sense to the comics. So it wasn't like, you know, completely just, you know, picked out of thin air, but it was like, man, guys, we could have laid the groundwork for this a little bit better. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> right. foreshadowing really, really goes a long way. And I could, right. oh, man, I could go on and on. I, I, I feel like that's come up so many times recently in things that I've watched and TV shows and movies I've watched where I'm watching something and I'm just like, well, why didn't you like drop a line of dialogue in the first act to set this up? Because now it just feels like it's coming out of nowhere. Like it's either oh, ex man. machina or it's just completely confusing when yep. 
it's not like you're a comic book coming out on like a monthly basis where now you can't physically go back in time and like fix something. I mean, we're talking about a TV show or a movie where you made the whole thing at once, like go back, like put a line of dialogue in somewhere so that this isn't completely out of left field. Mm hmm. Anyway. Um, a couple quick things about the original movie before we get into the episode proper. Um, number one, I, w- I was uh, I don't want to say today years old because I wasn't, but th- this week years old. Uh, when I made the fucking connection between Cobra Law and Shangri-La, oh. I never made that connection until I was watching it again for this show. And I went, what the hell? Like, how did I never notice that? Oh, like, man. I, I'll say someone else pointed that out to me years ago. It, was, it wasn't my idea. So I was like, I don't know, 15 years ago, 15 years ago when I found out that that out. Oh my god! It, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, oh, "Of course, that's why it's called Cobra La." Um, so that got me. Uh, this is something I've always noticed. At least I should say, uh, since uh, being a teenager and seeing this movie, basically the GI Joe movie, uh, the '87 one, is GI Joe at the Mountains of Madness. Like they took the H.P. Lovecraft story at the Mountains of Madness <laughs> and yeah. created. A, a G.I. Joe story with it, um, which works. I, I'm, I'm cool with it. Like, I mean, Cobra Law basically, you know, they, they deal with the, like the Shuggaths or however you say that. Like there's yeah. all these creatures that they are using as like not only their slaves and servants, but also their own like weird biotechnology. So it's mm-hmm. it's very Lovecraftian, um, which works. I, I like that. But uh, <laughs> there's two things. Like, first of all, the they talk about the, the BET costing the taxpayers six billion dollars. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you wacky Reaganomics. <laughs> like <laughs> that man, like I again never caught that as a kid. Just like, wow, that's that's a lot of taxpayer dollars. Um <laughs> Oh man. And, yeah. Oh, I love that movie. I gotta say, I <gasps> I love it but again, mainly for the nostalgia. And oh. I hadn't seen I hadn't seen it in a really long time, and so watching it this time, I kept like l- pausing it to see how far in I was because <laughs> right. I was like, "This is taking forever." Um, but <laughs> I felt like I felt like they they used up so much at runtime with introducing like new characters. Yeah, uh, you know there was like Slaughter, Sergeant Slaughter's whole crew, and then like the new recruits. You know, like Jinx and uh, was it uh, Chuckles and Law and Order, Law and Order. Red, yeah, exactly. Law. And it was and it was clear that they were doing it because it was like new toys and like new yes. characters for the TV show. I and mean, that's what the movie was for. It's it was a two hour movie to sell toys. So I get it. I, you know, I'm old and bitter enough to not have to get that mad about it anymore, <laughs> you know. But at the same time, it was annoying because the rest of the movie, the story of Cobra Law, I thought was really good, like really mm-hmm. genuinely a great story and not just for like a kid's cartoon, but it was a good story. Yeah, now, the, cool. the, ex, the execution of said story was good enough for a kid's cartoon, you know, because uh, <laughs> yeah. it was very cheesy. But, man, I thought it was a great idea. And, I, yeah, I love the idea of this, like, underground uh, Lovecraftian kind of uh, civilization that 
eventually spawns, you know, Cobra as this branch of them uh, that exists in like the human world. And, and, and it gives Cobra Commander a reason for wanting to take over the world besides just, you know, mustache twirling evil and power. And right. I thought that that was really cool. Like it, it provides a motivation for the villains that we never really had before, which I think is pretty interesting. Um, it made Cobra Commander, you know, a sympathetic character and, and introduced a lot of really cool characters like my personal favorite G.I. Joe of all time. And I'm sure you know exactly who that is. Oh, yeah. Fucking nemesis Enforcer, the best <laughs> ever. Um, and so, so yeah, I, I, I was getting mad because I was like, I don't care about Beachhead and these rookies. Like, I want to go back to <laughs> Galobulus, you know, and Pythona. Right. Who, am, am, am I wrong in, in saying that we never got a toy of Pythona, Pythona? Because I don't remember there there being one in that, like, three-pack with Galobulus, yeah. Nemesis Enforcer, and the Royal Guard. Because, damn, god damn it, like, why didn't we ever get a Pythona? Because she was fucking cool as hell. I feel like... I want to say it may be the collector's club or the convention club. There was a Pythona eventually, but it wasn't until like the 2000s when they were like selling us our childhood back. Um, <laughs> right. You know, like in, in the 80s, no, we never had a Pythona and we should have because damn it, like she was a main character in Cobra Law. And yeah, she was a fucking cool ass, like weird ninja monster. <laughs> like I loved her in the cartoon. <laughs> Yeah, I remember getting that three-pack of Galobulus, Nemesis, Enforcer, and Royal Guard, and even as a kid, wondering, why the Royal Guard? Like, I know that you need, like, troop characters, but yeah. it's not the Royal Guard is not at the same level as Galobulus and the, Nemesis, Enforcer. He should have been a single-pack, because you want a, char- like, a character like that where you want an army build. Yeah. Like, you don't want to keep buying a three pack. Like it totally should have been Pythona and then have like, Oh, also available the Royal guard. Like, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Exactly. But I was going to say, I just, oh. I just looked it up. I just looked it up on yojo.com. Yeah. Uh, Pythona came out in 2016. All right. There we go. <laughs> I knew it was later. <laughs> what a goddamn shame. Anyway, go ahead. I mean, I do like uh, the, the story here, but I, I will always have a soft spot for the Cobra commander is a disgruntled used car salesman that became an <laughs> insane terrorist. I love that idea. Um, so snake yeah, man, Cobra good. commander. I'm like, yeah, okay, it's cool. But man, crazy used car salesman. That's my jam. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey man, there could be a way to do both. We got to mash them up. <laughs> True. <laughs> but the other thing, it bugs the hell out of me about this movie. And, and I know you're going to know what I'm talking about. Duke was supposed to fucking die. Yeah, for sure. Like they not only have him like off, like someone off camera be like he's gone into a coma, but like okay, if he's gone into a coma, why is everyone crying like he's dead? Like the animation is clearly like meant to be, <clears throat> you know, Duke died. But I think what happened was Hasbro went, we killed off Optimus Prime, and parents lost their minds. Yeah, <laughs> right. Kids loved it though; it was so great. Right, but it's like little Billy had nightmares after seeing Transformers, so we can't kill Duke. Um. But like, I don't know, man. I, I was a kid in that era, and the dead Optimus, not only in the movie, was such a great like story twist. I loved it. And also, we were already so like inured to violence from you know all the other like <laughs> Robocops and shit that we were watching at the time. So like it didn't affect me. But then the aftermath of that, when on the on the cartoon show, when you got to have like, you know, Ghost myster- myster- mysterious like dead Optimus floating in space somewhere, and like that is so genius. I loved it. I loved it. But that's the thing, like, it bugged the hell out of me, because even at the end of the movie, like, after, like, we see Falcon and Jenks on the, uh, you know, on the ridge, like, watching the spores melt away, and he's like, thanks, big brother, like, it's like, he's in a coma, he's not dead. 
Yeah, he was like he was like talking to him like he was in heaven, and then at, at the end, someone just yells, "Duke woke up, he's fine!" Yes. <laughs> and exactly. roll credits. <laughs> and and the, the last thing I'll say about the movie, well, I'm sorry, two two last things I'll say about the movie. One, I fucking hate Serpentor in this movie. Like he drives me fucking nuts, and I love the idea of Serpentor. I hate Serpentor in this movie. But the other thing, that extreme jingoism of the opening montage. Mm. My <laughs> God. It is, it is like, wow, it feels like a propaganda film, but I fucking love it. <laughs> like, I, I do too. I was going to say, like, the the thing I liked the most about the movie, even more so than the story, was I was so impressed at the quality of the animation oh, yeah. f- for the 80s, for what it was, compared to the TV show. I was really blown away that it looked so good. The special effects were great. You know, the the character designs, they were handling so many different characters on screen at the same time. Like the direction, you know, the, the, the panning of the quote unquote camera around, the action scenes were choreographed really well. Like I was really, really impressed with just how good it looked. Oh yeah. No, the, the animation is fantastic. And, and I really think that the best animation in the film is that opening. Like, I, sure. I think it's gorgeous looking like when you see the airship flying in and then all the the trouble bubbles and, and fire bats <laughs> and all the Cobra troopers parachute. You see the Crimson Guard like punch yep. that cameraman. It's like <laughs> it's so cool. It. Um, and it's like and I still I get goosebumps when it when they start up the the dun, 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 you know that, that music. I'm like, yeah, oh, shit, here it comes like it's you get pumped. It, yeah. Yeah, it is. It is such a great opening to a, to a kid's film. But. Anyway, I know I kind of went off on a tangent about that movie, but so we are here to pitch our idea for a live action 80s G.I. Joe movie. So do we want to go through our fan casting first and then pick who we'll use? Yeah, I was gonna, I was going to suggest that because this might end up being kind of a long episode and I'm OK with that. Yeah, I think I, I, I'm going to make a prediction that um, because we don't really know where we're going with this, that I think the best way for us to create a story is to make it completely based on characters. So yeah, I completely agree. Let's go through the fan cast. We'll compare and contrast our thoughts. We'll pare down the cast of characters we want to use. And then based on that, I think it'll lead us into something. And I have like one, I have one idea because I'm th- I, when I was watching the, these three movies, I was thinking to myself, how do we combine elements from these movies so that if there were a live action movie that was done you know, in the late 80s, like we never would have needed Rise of Cobra and Retaliation to happen right. because we would have done something really cool. So I was trying to think of that without without, you know, doing it too much ahead of time because we like to improv. But uh, I have at least one thing I do want to do. So we'll see if we end up butting heads on that in terms of a plot. But yeah, I agree. I'm actually more excited about the fan cast than I am <laughs> I know, about, right? about anything else. And since you and I last talked off camera, I really filled my cast out and I think it's awesome. So I, I want to get into it. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I will say with as far as the plot goes, I have two plot points that I think would be good places to to uh, to to jump off of if we need it so okay but, cool, uh, cool. We, as now that you as, mention it like i think i might actually know a way to combine used car salesman cobra commander with with cobra lockumer commander so we'll get there oh interesting <laughs> yeah. okay yeah well do you want to do you want to go first with your with your joe cast or should I? <laughs> okay okay so i'll start yeah because um you're you're the bigger joe fan than i am so <laughs> i'm curious to see like what characters you picked but based on your direction I, I went and I looked up, okay, who were the first, like, series of Joes? The, first, the original, original Joes. 13. 
So I didn't do the whole original 13 because I, I, I started there and then I thought, well, let me look at like series two, series three, series four, and then like the popular characters from the cartoon show. And so I went with sort of a combination of characters I think are like fan favorites and my favorites. And mm-hmm. then and then the characters that I thought stood out from the original 13. And and then and uh, anyway, we'll kind of go from there. So um, right off the bat, I think Duke and taking a cue from the the existing movies that we had, dude, I think Dennis Dennis Quaid is the Duke. Okay, interesting. I, I have a different person, but yes, I like that cast. Well, you tell me. Let, let's go back and forth. You tell me who's your Duke, and I then picked, you'll pick it. You'll, you'll pick a character, and then I'll tell you what I did with that character. Good. I I picked Michael Bean. Oh, see, I have Michael Bean on my list too, but I have him somewhere else. <laughs> I Just, I thought because he he seemed like I love him in Terminator. I love him in Aliens. So I'm like. I feel like he he could make a good Duke. So do I tell you where I have him, or do we wait until we like get there? Um, uh, why, why, yeah, why don't we throw throw out who, who do you, who do you have? Okay, there? so again, I was looking at the original thirteen, but then I, I'm I really love Cobra. The bad guys are always better to oh, me, you know. Oh, so I totally agree. So I went way beyond the original thirteen when it came to the Cobras. I was like, well, fuck the original thirteen because most of them were just like Viper soldiers anyway, and you know right. Crimson Guards. So I'm like, no, like who are like the top like ten or whoever characters? And so Firefly's got to be in there. So for me, Michael Bean is Firefly because he would be a badass like assassin. See now, you know who I picked for for Firefly? Who's that? Clancy Brown. Oh, that'd be great. Because yeah. imagine Highlander Clancy Brown. Oh, for sure. As, for sure. as See, like that insane assassin. I love it. <laughs> I didn't have Clancy Brown on my list, but I, now that you mention it, I'm going to stick him in. Man, he'd be a good like. I didn't cast like short fuse, and I think he might would fit into something like that too. But See, uh, yeah, I, I love short. Him. I have short fuse cast. <laughs> All right. Well, well, so anyway, you go either do short fuse or pick a different one, but go ahead well, for short fuse. I, I was thinking Michael J. Fox. <laughs> I could definitely see that. Yeah. <laughs> Just, cause, cause again, the character has again, short fuse. He has a, a, a temper picture yeah. Marty McFly. Oh yeah, you know? for sure. And well, the thing is, sh- short fuse was kind of like a short little dude, you know? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, sorry, I talked over you. Well, that's and, that's, and that's why you mentioned Clancy Brown, and I think of Clancy Brown from, like, Shawshank Redemption, which is, like, or better yet, from Highlander from the era, right? And it's yeah. like, yeah, again, he, I, always, I always think of Clancy Brown as mad. He's always yelling at somebody. <laughs> right. <laughs> <You know>? He is. <laughs> all right, all right. Oh, shit, so uh, so is that your – okay, so back to me. Okay, so I am going to go with um, – uh, we'll just go with Don Johnson as Falcon. Oh, okay. I see. I didn't. I didn't have Falcon on my list. So, okay. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, because again, I, this is that, that was me kind of kind of going beyond the original thirteen. But I was just thinking, right. like, I mean, he did the voice in the movie too. In the in the, he was like the the big star they had doing voices in the animated movie. So I right. thought he's got Don Don Johnson's got to be in there somewhere, no matter what character he plays, or even if it's a different character. So yeah, I picked him for Falcon. But go ahead. See now, uh, okay, I'll I'll go with with the I'll go back to the top of my list of the original thirteen. So mm-hmm. pl- playing Hawk because we need General Hawk. Yep. Peter Weller. Oh, okay, that's interesting. That's interesting. That's a totally different direction from where I went. See, I don't see him as being like the big action guy, but I I can picture Peter Weller behind a desk giving orders and getting pissed and getting scary mm-hmm. about it. <laughs> I, like, I like Peter I like Weller him. better than sorry, yeah, I like him better than mine. I picked Harrison Ford. You know, I almost picked him. I had him on my short list. <laughs> nice. nice. That's funny. Um, and I had, I had a couple of like alternate picks where I was like, well, if we didn't want to have just a bunch of white people all over this movie, you know, <laughs> yeah. 
So then I put down, I was like, I don't know where to put Lewis Gossett Jr. So I would just completely like do like a, Sam, a Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury and have him be Hawk because he would just fit the role of like the military commander so well. I could see that really well, actually. Yeah, no, that, that would work, too. See, now right. I, I, did, I didn't have Lewis Gossett Jr. <laughs> on my list, so. Yeah. Um, OK, I think it's my pick. Um, yep. trying, let me skip an obvious one I, I don't even know who the original 13 are anymore now i'm like i got my, my my list all mixed up let me let me pick an original 13 okay uh rock and roll is chuck norris <laughs> it's funny because i almost went chuck norris with him but i picked kurt russell oh damn i didn't have kurt russell on my list anywhere because I, I was i forget about kurt i was picturing big trouble in little china kurt russell yeah like it with the gatling gun as rock and roll just like you know, being loud and brash, but somehow fucking up and like shooting a Jeep of like the Joes be like, oh, shit, you know, like yeah. I, I felt like he would yeah. give that nice comedic tone. Oh, yeah, damn. How do, I don't know how I forgot Kurt Russell on my list. Oh, damn it. OK, <laughs> your, your turn. <laughs> um, OK, so going back to the original 13 uh, stalker, Carl Weathers. Nice. I mean, nice. come on, you got to have yeah. there. I mean, you're right. You, you, Apollo you Creed. <laughs> He's you fucking awesome. It. Yeah, no, for sure. You nailed it. Uh, who did I have as Stalker? Um, oh, yeah, I, I didn't cast Stalker. Okay, I forgot. I had He, he was on my, my list at the bottom because I, I had question mark when I was trying to figure it out, and I never never settled on one. So, okay, Carl Weathers it is. <laughs> so who do you got now? Okay, okay, okay. Uh, in the same vein, um, I'm going to go with – I'm trying to think. Who is, who is original – Ah, fuck it. I'm just going to go with the one I like. I want to say uh, Keith David as Roadblock. Oh, oh, I like. Oh, shit. Because I have Roadblock, <laughs> too, but I put Bill Duke and I'm like, oh, I, <laughs> I don't know who I like better. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I've got Bill Duke as Destro. Oh, OK. See, I got someone different for Destro. I got Rucker Hauer. Oh, nice. Because I was thinking pick. Blade Runner Rucker Hauer. Yeah. That's, oh, I like that. I like that. He plays a good villain. <laughs> he does. He does. Now, I don't know if Destro's supposed to be like in the cartoon. Like I don't know if he was. I always thought of him as a black guy. I don't know if he's supposed to be. Um, but like, no, he always had, like you see his chest. Ahead. You see his chest. He's a, he's a he's totally a white Scottish dude. Yeah, which is fine. But I always thought of him as being a black guy for whatever reason as a kid. So when I was thinking about it, I'm thinking like you know, big, tough, scary black guy. <laughs> I mean, Bill Duke works, but <laughs> Bill Duke, yeah. Well, Rector Howard's good though. Never. Oh, okay. I'm I'm picturing him somewhere else now. But okay. Anyway, go ahead. Your turn. Um. Okay. So going still sticking with the original thirteen, we got to do Snake Eyes. So yeah. who in the '80s was? Not well enough known where we could get him to wear a mask throughout the entire film, but had the chops to do it. Jean-Claude Van Damme. That's exactly who I had to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, real, realistically, we, I mean, who, what, what action star of the, of the late 80s could pull that off other than him? Because, I mean, you have guys like Chuck Norris that could totally do it, but he wouldn't keep his damn mask on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and that's actually how I ended up with Chuck Norris on my list as rock and roll because I was trying to think of like martial arts stars from that time period, yep. and I was like, nah, he can't cover his face. But yeah, as JCV, JCVD all day long for <laughs> exactly. sure. Exactly. Nice. <laughs> Your turn. Okay. Okay. Uh, original thirteen. Uh, I have Anthony Michael Hall as Breaker. Oh, okay. See now for Breaker, I had Shane Black. 
Oh, okay, for sure. Okay, definitely. I could see but, that. But yeah, I could that's... see Anthony Michael Hall definitely as Break. I like Shane Black better from the Predator from when he's like Hawkins, right? That's like that's that what better. made me think of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was see, and you mentioned Michael J. Fox, who I didn't think of, but I was trying to think of like, okay, somebody from the '80s who isn't like an action movie star, but would could maybe want to make the transition into action movies. Like, I have another one on my list like that too that I want to mention, but it's I have your a turn. Couple like that. <laughs> well, so, so I'll 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 go with that. Uh, for clutch because we need a vehicle driver i put uh, mm-hmm. c thomas howell okay that's perfect yeah I like because i was too. like he's the type of guy who doesn't really fit in an action movie but he's got the acting chops and really all he's doing is driving the jeep so do we really need him to be an action star <laughs> yeah yeah i don't think so um I, I think clutch was one of my uncast ones um yeah i didn't cast him but okay well there it is then nailed it Sweet. (laughs) Uh, Yes, I kind of jumped around a little bit. So let me see. Now I'm getting myself. hmm, I'll just admit, this is where I was like, okay, I didn't cast like Flash. I didn't cast Zap. I just started jumping around at this point because I was like, okay, I need to find other characters. But I mentioned Scarlet. Because that was the that was the other one I thought who is not an action movie star that was a big star at the time and would totally work is Molly Ringwald. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that because yeah. it's funny because I had that exact same thought but I was like well no because Scarlet is kind of Scarlet's the badass of of mm-hmm. the lady the Lady Joes you got like you know Cover Girl and 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 Scarlet were the early on ones and it's yep. like Scarlet was kicking ass and taking names like even the original toy she had like ninja stars on her gauntlet. So yep. it's like, okay, so she was some, you know, martial arts specialist. I put Molly Ringwald as cover girl because I'm like, we oh, okay. need someone to drive the 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 tank. <laughs> so Okay. I have um, Daryl Hannah as cover girl. Oh shit, that works too. But, See, but I also but I had an, I had another oh, uh, female actress who I have I put the actress's name on the list. I actually have a couple of actors on here where I'm like they should be in the movie, but I don't know who to cast them as. Um, and so my backup for either of those characters was Linda Hamilton. I almost put Linda Hamilton on here, but I opted for Sigourney Weaver for Scarlet because oh, nice. I okay. was thinking yeah. Ripley, you know how badass Ripley is, and I'm like, you know, you got you got freaking uh, Ripley and Sarah Connor. Those are the two like 80s and 90s badass, you know, sci-fi chicks I always think of. But, <laughs> yes. you know, Aliens, Ripley is just so, ah, it's so my jam. Like, I love that movie. <laughs> so nice. I was like, yeah. I, and plus, I, you know, I've loved Sigourney Weaver since I was a child. <laughs> yeah, I saw, oh, she's, I saw she's Alien, definitely good. <laughs> I saw Alien far too young, and I'm like, I like her. <laughs> See, I, I almost picture her more as a Lady J, who I didn't, I didn't cast her as Lady oh, J, but shit. since you mentioned her, I think oh, she'd be she a, would be perfect for Lady J. See, I cast Jennifer Beals as Lady J. Because, again, I was thinking, okay. who's not an action star, but she's pretty intense. Yeah. Oh, man. I I think I like Sigourney Weaver as, as Lady J better. I think I, I do, think too. That, yeah, that works. I, I didn't put Lady J on my list. Because so, I, I was like, we already got Hawk and Duke on here. Do I really need Flint? Because, you know, if you have Lady J and no Flint, it seems weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, and, and I did do Flint. Um, I, I did Charlie Sheen as Flint. <laughs> oh, dude, that's perfect. Which, which see, is okay. This is my problem is I got to this point and I was like, you know what? Like, I don't I don't I don't think anyone cares about Steeler, but like there's other like more popular characters, you know, so that's why right. I started skipping around. But go ahead. Well, see, it's funny because I put his brother, Emilio Estevez, as Zap. Oh, OK. There you go. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> that works. I'm like, we need a bazooka soldier. So. <laughs> nice. Uh, anyway, go ahead. I, I think I did like a couple in a row because I was um, just jumping well, in, but you go ahead. 
for you did mention Steeler, so I was like, mm-hmm. okay, because again, I wanted to have vehicle drivers, um, mm-hmm. and I I figured, okay, who would be who would be sitting in the Mobat like that that little freaking tank? Like it's it's a smaller tank, but it's it's heavy arms. So I'm like, who fits that? Like kind of a little guy, but like beefy as hell. Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. See, I had Stallone on my list of actors to use, but I didn't know where to put him. But can you also imagine him being like, oh, you're Joe. Like, <laughs> I want to hear that. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> oh, man. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, all right. So uh, since I went, I went off, <laughs> I went off the, uh, the reservation with, uh, with the list. Um, well, Bill's not the original 13, is he? No, he's not, but yeah. he's, he's early, but I did, well, I did Tom Selleck as well, Bill. <laughs> oh, I like that. That, yeah. that, that works. <laughs> See, I didn't have Wild Bill on my list, but I like that. Now, for me, going back to the original 13 stuff, because I got a couple more. Obviously, the, yeah, go ahead. we'll just say Grunt, uh, Cobra Soldier, and Vipers. Like, obviously, we'd want them in the movie, but they could be played yeah. by anybody. Yeah. So I, I'm not I, – I, I didn't cast the Grunt. But we'll go with Flash, the, the original Laser Soldier, as mm. Anthony Edwards. Nice, nice. I like it for sure. And then that leaves what Grand Slam? Did you do Grand Slam? Yep, Grand Slam. I put James Spader. <laughs> <laughs> Man, okay, you know, damn, I did not put I did not put him down for for Cobra Commander, but damn, now that you mentioned Spader, shit, he would make a good Cobra Commander too. He would, but I, I have somebody else in mind for for Cobra Commander that I love as a villain. Oh, um, me, me too, me too. I'm, <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited about the Cobra picks actually. <laughs> well, the last few. Let me just round them up. Yeah, I only have ahead. a couple more on my list. Um, Sergeant Slaughter, obviously as himself, he has Same. to be in the movie. Same um, here. Same here. <laughs> and we we need a medic, so we have to cast we have to cast Doc. Mm-hmm. And the first person that came to my mind was Eddie Murphy. Oh, so that's good. I did Ernie Hudson as Doc. Oh, Ernie Hudson is good too. But see, I pictured <laughs> like we could use Doc as like the the humor character. Like mm-hmm. you know, let's let's have like Flash or somebody get shot. The other reason I wanted the original thirteen was because some of these characters kids wouldn't care if they got killed. Yeah, you know, so we could too. kill off like short fuse and flash and grand slam and all those guys. But like, I imagine someone getting injured and, and doc just kind of making fun of him. Like, does that hurt? <laughs> you know, just like messing with them. And see, I, I was thinking like Ernie Hudson, um, because I think he, I was thinking doc would be the kind of kind of character. He'd be like, Oh, I'm getting too old for this shit, you know, yeah. <laughs> but which we obviously would be, would be perfect for Danny Glover. But I was like, no, like I don't want a character who's act or an actor who's actually that old. And Danny Glover already was a little bit older at the time. So right. I was like, yeah, that, that's how I went down the Ernie Hudson route. Cause I could see Ernie Hudson, you know, think just thinking of him in ghostbusters. That was basically the role he was playing all the time. It was like, I don't get right. paid enough for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so is that all the Joes that you had? That's all my Joes. All right, so again, I kind of, I went, I went beyond a little bit. Um, I kind of uh, uh, did the extra credit. <laughs> nice. Um, just cause, again, I was just thinking like popular characters from the TV show because in my head, I, I did, I did some of the original thirteen, and then I was like, yeah, but what about you know Gung Ho? What about Shipwreck? So yeah, uh, my Gung Ho is Jesse the Body Ventura. <laughs> oh, dude, <laughs> that's fucking perfect. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, man. So let me finish out my list then. And then I've got, um, yeah, Shipwreck. Dude, Rowdy Rowdy Piper. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> that would be so much fun. 
that's it. That, that's all. That, that's that's as far as I got. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's, oh, I loved Shipwreck, man. He was one of my favorite Joes. Oh man, yeah, I, def- I definitely went down the uh, the They Live cast on my list here too. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, so you start with Cobra, uh, and so with okay. Cobra, because because we had like the Malian Cobra Commander, and then it was like the Viper Soldier. But like again, I said screw it, and I just went for like who are the best characters. I I kind of did that, but I again I went more with who would I have in mind for the plot line I kind of had. So right off the bat, obviously you have to have Cobra Commander, the person that in my head works a, a, as this guy is Michael Ironside. Oh, nice. See, I had Ironside on my list as somebody else. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, I like it, though. I like it. Though. So, okay. So, my Cobra Commander, I was thinking the voice is very important. It's like the the uh, James Earl Jones. Like, do it, But do you cast him in the body and then do a voiceover? Or do you find somebody who can do the voice? And it doesn't really matter what they look like so much. Right. Um, so, I went with John Cassier. Voice of the Crypt Keeper. He was a he was an act an actor in the eighties and nineties on like First and Ten and a bunch of other stuff. John Cassier all day long. Yeah. See now, I think what we would do with that as far because because he's a little he's a littler dude. Yeah. Um, he is. I feel like we definitely use his voice as as Cobra Commander, but if we're gonna go like blast mask Cobra Commander, like the the mirrored mm-hmm. face mask kind of thing, like. If we see an origin for Cobra Commander, I think we have Michael Ironside as like original Cobra Commander, no mm-hmm. mask. And then once the mask is put on, we could put anybody in the in the suit, but have yeah. John Cassier vo- voice him. Unless you go with my Michael Ironside pick, which was Doctor Mindbender. I like it, but I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna see your I'm gonna see your <laughs> Mindbender and, and and up you one with with uh, a Tom Noonan. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Kane RoboCop 2. Picture him yeah. like, you know, in a lab coat with a little mustache and, and like a monocle or, or like little tiny spindly glasses. Yeah, I like it. I like it. All right, let's do that. Yeah, let's do Michael Ironside dubbed by John Cassier for Cover <laughs> Commander and Tom Noonan for Dr. Mindbender. Nice. I like it. All right. Um, so what about Baroness? I'm sure you have her on the list. Uh, Demi Moore. I think she's the obvious pick. I almost went with her, but I went with Sean Young. Oh, okay. All right. Again, I was thinking Blade Runner. I, I was like picturing Sean Young from Blade yeah. Runner, and I'm like, I could see it. I could see her. Do- Plus, she's got that kind of like she she's very like she's got that athletic build, and I feel like mm-hmm. she could she could believably do some like kung fu fighting. Yeah, I can see that. For me, Demi Moore was all about the face, you know. Yeah. But she might be, might, might have been a little young if we're talking like a 1988, you know, type of movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, she was acting back then. But okay, I can see Sean Young. All right. Who's your next one? Oh, I got, I got some dreadnoughts. Uh, oh, okay. I, I, so I only did Zartan. I didn't go down the dreadnought route. Again, I was thinking of like, what would I do in the movie? But yeah, go ahead. Well, for Zartan, I have Vernon Wells. <laughs> So I have Vernon Wells in a different role. (laughs) (laughs) So who's your Vernon Wells? Well, my Vernon Wells is Major Blood. Oh, dude, I didn't put Major Blood on my list. Yeah, I love Major. And and, and my Zartan was, I I was like, I don't know, like Australian actor, action star, good looking guy. I went with Mel Gibson for Zartan. You know, I almost put Mel Gibson (laughs) on my list, but like, yeah, shit, he would make a good Zartan. (laughs) Okay, yeah, let, let's go with that. 
Okay, that's good. Because <laughs> I didn't have major blood on my list, so yeah, we'll stick Vernon Wells over there. <laughs> See, now, for buzzer, I picked Brian James. Now, I, this you, you might, he's that guy that was in every fucking Brian 80s James. and 90s movie. I'll, t- I'll tell you the one you'll remember him from. Do you remember the Tales from the Crypt episode about the the Lumberjacks split second? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was the crazy, jealous husband with, yeah. like, the blonde mullet. And he was, like, all beefy and had the crazy, like, neck veins. Yeah, okay. For picture, sure. That's picture perfect him, buzzer. Yeah, picture him with a chainsaw. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, I so love now, it. Do you want me to yeah, finish yeah, up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep knock? going. Yeah, just just do, do the whole the whole dreadnought list. Yeah, go for, for it. For Ripper, I picked Bill Paxton. Um, <laughs> nice, yep. We got to put Bill Paxton. In there, <laughs> he'd, be, <laughs> he'd be nuts as Ripper for sure. Right. He would. Be. <laughs> he'd have that big like Jaws of Life thing, like attacking people. He, um, he, he, he would. Yeah, he would be totally like. Uh, oh shit. Uh, damn it. What's this character's name in Aliens? But like that. The we're just cracking stupid jokes all the time. Right. You know? <laughs> Uh, for Torch, I picked David Patrick Kelly. Because, again, you know, Warriors come out and play, that guy. Oh, yeah, okay, yep. Um, Road Pig. Had to have Road oh. Pig in here. Okay, who'd you go for Road Pig? Brian Johnson. Good old muscle cheeks. Of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, picture him wielding a sledgehammer. I think Brian Bosworth would have worked, too. <laughs> That's not bad, either. Stone Cold Brian Bosworth? <laughs> <laughs> oh that's awesome but yeah those are the only dreadnoughts i picked because i'm like you okay. know Zar- zartan always had his original three of yeah. R- ripper torch and buzzer but then i was like oh wait but road pig i love road pig <laughs> like i gotta put him in okay and so i didn't cast any dreadnoughts but now that you mention it and after rattling off that awesome cast dude you gotta throw in uh linnea quigley as zarana oh shit <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> How did I, I not see that? <laughs> I didn't even think about it until you started rattling off names, and I'm like, oh, come on. You got, like, oh, my God. Yes, trash <laughs> is Zorana. Like, right? It's so that perfect. That has to happen. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, oh did, shit. Did you, do a, did you do a Storm Shadow? Oh, yeah. Okay, so that was the hardest one. It took me the longest to try to figure it out. But go ahead. You tell me your Storm Shadow first. Uh, Chow Yun Fat. Oh, shit. Okay, that's way better than mine. Okay, yeah, because <laughs> I, I, I actually wanted uh, Yuji Okumoto, who is the guy who plays Chosen, the bad guy from Karate Kid Part Two. Oh shit, yeah, I and forgot he, about and that. He, and he's on Cobra Kai now. Um, yeah, just I think he would look the best, but it wasn't like really like a big star at the time. So I was like, I guess Jackie Chan as like a villain, but no, yours is Ch- Chow Yun Fat is way better. Well, because because I figured Chow Yun Fat had has played villains in the past. Yeah, yeah, um, <sighs> and I want to say. In the 80s, he was like in his 30s, like 35, somewhere around there, Um, like in the later 80s. Yeah, he could have pulled um, it off for sure. I, yeah, I feel like he would have the martial arts chops and the acting chops to to play the character, especially, again, this being the 80s, they're going to have their masks on a lot of the movie. Yeah, like, it won't I'm really sure, matter. Yeah, at some point he's going to lose his mask and get all cut up, you know, in a, in a battle, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean... The the last uh, Cobra I had on my list, because I already mentioned Clancy Brown as Firefly, mm. is Scrap Iron. Because I'm like, oh, okay. we, we need a, another, like, like a bazooka guy or a missile guy to go up against Zap. <laughs> um, yep. Robert Davey from the Goonies. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah, for sure. That's a good choice. I like it. 
I didn't even think about scrap iron. Yeah, I I did. We've my whole list. We, I have three left on my list, but I don't think they're probably on your list at all because uh, yeah. th- this will be our pivot into like the story a little bit. Um, but is that it? Is that your whole list? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I went ahead and decided to cast the uh, Cobra Law characters as well. Uh, oh, speci- okay. Specifically, Globulus, Nemesis Enforcer, and Pythona. Uh, I didn't cast Serpentor, and I probably should have at this point now, now that I think about it. So I'm going to make a note here that we got to think about who's a good Serpentor. I don't know. Well, uh, that's a, if he ends up being needed for the plot, because I, I do have an yeah. idea of that, but, but we'll see. Okay, so we'll see. Yeah, so Serpentor is, a, is maybe a maybe. But even if we don't end up using him, I just wanted to cast uh, the, the Cobra Law characters because I wanted to see Dolph Lundgren as Nemesis Enforcer. Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yes. Hell yeah. And then since I went since I was going down the they live cast, dude, Meg Foster as Pythona with oh, those 100%. fucking eyes. Dude, hell yeah. One hundred percent. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had a hard time with Galobulus. Um, and I came down to like the character that I want to or the actor that I want to play him versus the actor I think would like be like look he would like look the part, you know? So in terms of like looking the part I was just I was, I was just looking up like 80s, you know, like villain actors and stuff. And I came across Amrish Puri, who is the actor who plays um, Mola Ram in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. You know, the yeah, guy, okay, the guy yeah. who like rips the dude's <laughs> fucking heart out of his chest. Exactly. Well, because he was like a big Bollywood star too at, at a certain point. Yeah. Um, but I actually, I actually want to cast Frank Langella. <laughs> oh shit, yeah. I mean, because come on, after seeing what he did with Skeletor, like exactly, he yeah. could totally rock Globulus, no problem. Yeah, there's very few actors I think who could like put on that stupid costume and like make it work, you know? Right. <laughs> and he would give us some some kind of like epic performance, like he'd be. He'd be giving like those long-winded soliloquies, like he yeah. did a Skeletor. Totally, totally. Tell me about yeah. the loneliness of good Duke. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh, okay, love it. all right. I love it. Oh, okay. So I feel like this was the this was the whole episode, and I was I guess we could come up with some kind of story. I, I know, right? Like, <laughs> this is kind of harkening back to our early episodes where we're like, we we went we went down several rabbit trails, but these are all on target. Like all of these are on the plot or on like, yeah. you know, the plot of the show, which is GI Joe. For sure. Um, for sure. So, okay. So now like, getting into the, the movie proper, I, I will give you my, my, I have a, basically a two plot uh, pitch. Um, So it would be like plot a plot B. So the, the Joe's, the teams would be split. So we'd basically be doing like okay. a, a battle on two fronts type of thing. Now, uh, the 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 main plot I, I had the idea of uh, surrounding around Cobra creating a weapon of mass destruction. In this case, it would be the mass device. Okay, uh, yep. They would have to go around the globe in secret to set up receiver points all over the globe. Because again, this is the '80s. You know, technology, even sci-fi technology. You know, it wasn't quite there yet. Yep. So we have receiver points. If they create the mass device, basically what it's going to allow them to do is teleport any nuclear warhead they want to any location on the planet. So instantaneously detonating places. Okay. So mm-hmm. they so the Joes have to stop them. So they're going around the globe, chasing them, trying to destroy these receiver points before Cobra can complete the mass device and start you know using it to hold the world hostage. The other part of the plot 
is meanwhile, you have Dr. Mindbender and a group of Cobra operatives going around the globe, stealing artifacts of some kind of like, you know, historical importance. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you know where I'm going with that. Oh, very much so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So the whole thing would basically be the Joes are chasing Cobra around the globe. So we get all the we could have like tons of desert and snow and jungle fights, you know, because. Nice. You, you, you know, it's an 80s action movie. You're going to have to film out in like Red Rock and all that kind of stuff. So <laughs> right, yeah. why would they be out there? Oh, they're setting up a receiver to transmit this giant nuke. <laughs> nice, nice. OK, yeah, I like it. So it's almost like it's uh, like two sort of fetch quest plots, right? So you right. have the, the Cobra or you know, whoever, you know, it'll depend on how like mysterious, you know, the, the organization is, but yeah, you have our bad guys who are setting up these sort of like relay or receiver points in certain parts of the globe. And then you have this like smaller group that's traveling around the globe as well, you know, collecting something. So that's going to be like a lot for like the Joes to cover and which I immediately like because it gives us two pretty clear and easy to understand plot points that don't require a whole lot of like stupid exposition. Right. But also like we, it immediately demands a large cast. It also lets us split that cast into two small groups. Yeah, exactly. Which makes it a little bit easier for, you know, getting to know the characters and sort of narrowing it down. So that that way you don't have random characters like in the cartoon movie. They were just sort of in the background. Like maybe they did like one thing, you know, there's airtight just standing there. (laughs) Or I was actually kind of surprised that they didn't use a lot of the earlier characters in the movie, even characters like Snake Eyes, who has like one thing. And then he's just kind of barely there the rest of the movie. And he's like the most popular guy. Exactly. Okay, okay. So if we're going around and collecting artifacts, you said Dr. Mindbender and like, you know, whatever his group is. Um, right. Right. So, you know, I'm going toward, you know, Serpentor, right? Is that where you're going with that? Oh, oh, that yeah. I figured the, the the credits, basically, like the the after credits could be, you know, Mindbender finishing creation of a super soldier and having like that cryogenic tube open and just see like a hand that's kind of scaly like grab mm-hmm. the side of a like the the cryogenic thing out of like all the smoke and have them be okay. like arise serpentor arise <laughs> like that type of a thing and then you know boom end and have like oh shit gi joe 2 is gonna have serpentor oh nice okay okay so i was thinking there's got to be a way to use uh, Cobra Law. I think it, it would be an interesting challenge <laughs> to find a way to make it not stupid, you know? Right. Uh, well, I mean, I don't I don't think it is a dumb idea, actually. I think it's a clever idea, and it really fits into the idea of, like, G.I. Joe's as this, like, sci-fi action force, and they do fight monsters. So I like the idea that you come up with where, like, half of our plot is this military technical, technical or technological plot line based on, you know, someone trying to conquer the earth and we need to fight them off and, and, you know, take down their big uh, widget weapon, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And then at the same time, the other plot is going into more of a fantasy sci-fi element, right? right. Like, like say collecting up artifacts for Serpentor. So I'm going to propose a couple of things and, you know, we're not married to anything yet, but just, this is kind of where I was going. Okay. So I was thinking 
Cobra law exists the way that it does in the G.I. Joe, the movie, where it's this like ancient Lovecraftian civilization that like used to rule the earth at some point, And they went into, you know, hiding for whatever reason. And I was trying to connect that to something that would make a little bit more sense. Like, why would they be in hiding? What's the point? Like, if they're so powerful in their technology, their like organic technology is so strong, you know, to the point of being like magic. Like, why wouldn't they just exist with, you know, like, what's the point of hiding so much? And it made me think about like real life conspiracy theories, extreme conspiracy theories that people have that there's some kind of like reptilian conspiracy, like controlling the world, you know, that there's these like lizard people who who, like run the Illuminati and they're secretly in charge of the earth, like pulling strings from behind the scenes and, you know, playing as humans like pawns. Um, So I was thinking that that's what Cobra Law is today. Like at one point it was this ancient civilization that existed like in at the same time and evolved at the same time as the you know mammalian humans and then you know the humanity in much the same way that we like wiped out you know like the neanderthals that right. they, they were kind of like you know winning the battle against the, the cobra law uh, or you know the reptilian uh, type of race although not, not technically reptilian because they're kind of you know amphibian and crustacean and everything else kind of mixed together and right. yeah and they kind of like they kind of drove them underground and then you have the cobra law group that you know they they rise back to power, but they decide, you know, we're not going to fight them on the battlefield. We're going to defeat them with our minds. You know, we're smarter than them. And, you know, we're going to end up, you know, controlling the world and living in, you know, lives of luxury while the humans toil away in their, you know, factories and farms and bullshit like that. Um, so I'm thinking it could exist. And then and very, but very much like the concept of like of homo um, sapiens who destroyed like Neanderthal man. But there's also like Cro-Magnon genes in modern right. humanity right? that exists. So what if there were like Cobra law or reptilian whatever genes in some uh, aspect of humanity, like some some long ago disgusting coupling, you know, led, <laughs> <laughs> led to a bloodline of like the Cobra law, not like a royal family or anything or even any any kind of aristocracy. Just there is a bloodline out there that like this taboo family that's sort of like part Cobra law. Um, and, you know, the reptilian overlords are they want to find a way to like utilize that. And so what they do is they 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 narrow in on who this and this is what, what i thought of when you mentioned like the the uh used car salesman like cobra commander <laughs> what right. if that's what it is like billy's dad is just some random dude from like the midwest you know uh springwood or whatever ohio and he um you know he's like just a, a, a down his luck like schlubby like nebbish like used car salesman who you know who who can never do anything right and then he he finds out you know he's approached by some mysterious figure like pythona who like reveals to him that he's like he's secretly like the descendant of the you know the cobra law of love your and he needs to like you know come with them because he's the the secret to their like coming out of the shadows or whatever the fuck you know um right. So I think there's something interesting there. I haven't quite nailed it down yet, but I like the idea of using this like reptilian like conspiracy because then you could use you could you again we could sort of even even save it for a sequel. But I was just gonna say I like this a lot, but I feel like sequel territory. Yeah, but it it even like gives us. It, it, it sort of uh, builds up like the the magical element of like what is Mindbender doing, you know, and maybe that's what he's doing is he's going and he's finding all these artic- artifacts and what are they artifacts of? They're Cobra Law artifacts, you know, whether they're 
they're building some kind of like magical machine that was broken at one point or maybe even collecting like genetic samples. I'm not sure yet. I, 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 okay. I have like, yeah, I haven't used this phrase in a while, but the light bulbs are going off, man. Okay, um, good. <laughs> all right. So I, I got, I got an idea. So instead of Cobra, instead of Dr. Mindbender going around the globe, getting artifacts, what if he was specifically going to Antarctica? There was specifically something there that he knew about that he needed to get. So the Joes okay. go after. So now we're going to have to f- figure out who would be Snow Job and Iceberg and all that. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> Damn, I, I almost cast Snow Job. Shit. I, I know. That. Too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So that they. So, so yes, Mindbender is is specifically in Antarctica with a group like maybe Firefly and Scrap Iron, some like explosive experts, stuff mm-hmm. like that. He's going there because he knows that there was once a race of creatures here on the planet, like you said, that were of, of reptilian descent or you know weird, like they weren't you know mammalian, like the like you know the rest of us. So he's going there to find DNA samples. What if when he gets there, like, and he finds like this, this like ruined architecture of like an ancient civilization. What if they're not all dead? Nice. Okay. So like, maybe it's not like not a bunch of them. Maybe there's nothing like, you know, maybe, maybe we don't even have to have like globulus or Python or anything. Maybe it's like we, we find their corpses like as, as uh, remnants, like mummified corpses or preserved corpses as remnants of Cobra law. But what if, like, the nemesis enforcer and, like, a couple, like, uh, royal guards or, like, some – maybe they're still there, like, like centuries over this this long-forgotten uh, – you know, long-forgotten civilization. So Mindbender gets there to, like, draw DNA samples from, like, the preserved corpses, but then is attacked by this giant, like, bat-winged bruiser. Nice, you know? yeah. And, like, a bunch of these weird, like – insectoid you know reptilian ninjas or whatever you want to call them and then have like (laughs) the the joes and cobras they're having to battle on two fronts so they're fighting each other but they're also trying to like get away from these weird sci-fi monstrosities and so like that could be like a whole like almost horror sci-fi part of the plot which you know would come back later when we find out that what he was really after why he was after that dna was he was looking to make a super soldier um, and like crossbreeding it with with like, you know, human DNA and the Cobra Law DNA and creates Serpentor. And then in part two, if we if we do that, we could get the origin story of Cobra Commander and find out that maybe he was a descendant. Like you had said, like maybe Mindbender studying all this is like what we didn't know is that, you know, Cobra Law never completely fell. They intermingled with humanity. OK, you know, kind of. The, and then we find out that like certain you know, certain aspects throughout time have been part of Cobra Law. You know, like maybe mm. Genghis Khan was one of them type of thing. You know, <laughs> like these these warlords, these these very like vicious warlords were part of Cobra Law. Okay, this is cool. So, I think there's there's two ways to do this, and I, I, get, I think again we're we're kind of setting up a sequel more so than we're doing you know the movie uh, right. <laughs> idea that we're doing now. But so I think it's 
I, I, I'm getting very like Alien versus Predator vibes too, which is a good oh, thing yeah. actually. Where yeah, Mindbender goes to like you said Antarctica or or you know some out of the way place, and yeah, he comes across you know it's almost like it's a tomb to this fallen civilization, and there are these like uh, immortal like you said like sentries or guards you know who are, are are trying to keep you know the outside world out, and nobody's ever discovered it because Nemesis Enforcer makes certain of that. You know, <laughs> right. um, hey, quick quick side note: I only picked Antarctica because that's where Ant- at the Mountains of Madness takes place, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, and then in the in the movie, uh, in the cartoon movie, Shingle Law was in like the Himalayas. But I always thought it was right. weird that like there's a real like dissonance for me with these sort of reptilian slash crustacean type characters living in like a cold climate, like especially an extremely cold one like that. To me, it's like it's, I don't know. I don't know if I if I buy that. I would almost prefer if it was like deep in the Amazon jungle where they could stay hidden in you know in some ancient temple, you know. Um, but whatever, I don't think it, it really matters as much. Um, right. But yes, I, I think it would, it would be interesting if, yeah, Mindbender's going there and he, you know, somehow he's able to stop Nemesis Enforcer. And, and even if it's just that, like, they're distracting and he has enough Cobra, like, really good, like, badass Cobra fighters with him that they're, you know, engaging uh, Nemesis Enforcer and the Royal Guards enough where Mindbender is able to slip away and, like, go and get, like, the, the genetic sample from, like, the mummy of Galobulus, you know, whatever. Right. <laughs> that he was trying to find and like we'll see a flashback in the second movie where it's like you know ages ago you know and we'll get yeah, to exactly. actually see those characters but for now it's just like a like i said it's like a mummy and then um but then i have to back up and wonder like okay how does mindbender know about this like where what are these artifacts how has he heard about them and so i just immediately answered my own question by saying this is what we do yeah so we have this like this like um, recessive like gene or whatever that's in humanity and you, you get these people you know who suddenly become these like maniac warlords you know who take over you know well mm-hmm. like say like you mentioned like you know genghis khan or i'm sure we could you know, go through a whole list of you know like uh you know, yeah exactly like you know brutal brutal uh like warlord conquerors you know, from all over the world well maybe yeah. what happens is you know someone like Cobra Commander, who is when he's in his like, you know, human guise and he's just a regular dude. But at some point as he like gets older, as these guys mature into, you know, mid 20s or whatever, something about this genetic makeup they have, they start to like lose it. You know, they start to get like schizophrenic or megalomaniacal or whatever they start having this like you know delusions of grandeur so he goes from being like a used car salesman to like i will rule the world (laughs) (laughs) to the cobra commander we all know and love (laughs) exactly and so like what if mindbender being you know the genetic scientist and like psychologist that he is like he's noticing there's something weird about this how does you know the this uh nebbish uh used car salesman go from being that to being this guy that we've all sworn our loyalty to because he's going to conquer the world. Like, what is it about this person? Is it just that he's really that, um, like charismatic or is there something more to it? And so maybe he starts to investigate it and that's when he's, he's led toward, yeah, there really is. He, like he gets a DNA sample from Cumber commander, like in, you know, secretly. And, you know, he's kind of off on his own on the side, you know, doing his own little investigation, trying to figure out like, what is this? And, you know, goes down this rabbit trail of, okay, 
there there's like this alien dna in in him and like oh you know and then there's let me re- let me look into like other conquerors of yore or whatever and he you know, he sort of connects the dots and he's noticing that maybe there's a certain like art style to the ruins or the tombs and he's like sort of he's connecting it through the archaeological evidence from like you know one to the next to the next and eventually that's how he, he's pointed toward you know the the hidden temple wherever it is because it's like that's the end of the line for him and he's going to try to go to the source and 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 get this you know uh, like a more pure sample of the the genetic uh, ma- uh, material so that he can you know and this is his means of sort of like overthrowing Cobra Commander because as much as he you know serves him he knows the dude's fucking crazy <laughs> you know? right he, he, he needs his funding to keep his his little experiments going but yeah he's not gonna be uh you know a uh, loyal to Cobra Commander <laughs> yeah my, my men is out for himself and so yeah I'm I'm seeing him it's almost like this it's this whole subplot which I think is gonna be really interesting that will teach us the history or teach the viewer the history of what Cobra is and yet it's not really going to pay off because it's, the payoff is going to be this entire sequel that we've right. you know, carefully set up. And then and and then in the first movie, it has to be like Joe's versus Cobra's. But in the second movie, we could very much do like Joe versus Cobra versus, you know, Mindbender and Destro and like the Iron Grenadiers or whatever. Like Mindbender like recruits a couple of other of the uh, the higher ups in the Cobra, you know, uh, command structure, you know, to to go along with him to, to have a coup against, you know, Cobra Commander. And, and Sementor is their new their new leader in Lord. And right. uh, yeah, whatever. And we'll go down that that rabbit trail in that next movie. But OK. Okay, back to the first one. Now that I got that out of my system, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I I think that 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 would be a really cool plot line, personally. But uh, but yeah, maybe a little bit too sci-fi for the the introducing live-action GI Joes to the the kids of the '80s, right? And, right. As much as the we can do sci-fi, but it definitely has to fit in with like you know the Predators and the Robocops and the lethal weapons of the world uh, at the time in terms of like action movies. But you know for kids, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, so it can still be full of like blood and death and sex jokes and boobs and stuff. But you know, because <laughs> we were all, we were all watching that stuff anyway. <laughs> of course, Friday the Thirteenth, every one of them. <laughs> right there, you go. Oh man. Okay, so. Now that I got that out of the way, and I think we have the whole subplot thing makes sense, we need to talk about the mass device. Uh, yes. What are we doing with that? Well, in the original cartoon, uh, the mass device was just a uh, a means of teleportation. Um, so that's basically what they did. They were like stealing, like they stole the Eiffel Tower, you know. <laughs> and it's like it needed like three elements, and I can't remember what they were. I know one was heavy water, which never made sense to me. Um. <laughs> And, like, dust from a comet. I forget what the other one was, but there was, like, these weird, like, <laughs> MacGuffin devices. Dust. <laughs> Sorry. It's true, though. Actually, you know what? Well, I, I got to look it up because that was going to bug me. <laughs> it's like, wait, it's like heavy water, dust from a comet. What is it, like, Eye of Newt or some shit? You know, like, <laughs> Blood of a Virgin? Is that what it was? <laughs> see. It was radioactive crystals, heavy water, and meteor dust. <laughs> It's just like an episode of like Captain Planet or something. Exactly. <laughs> and they, they had to travel the globe. Like it was one of those things where it's like Cobra was, was rushing around the globe trying to get the elements and, and G.I. Joe was trying to stop him. And this was one of the other examples where, where Cobra wins. Like they get the elements and they they use the mass device. I mean, you know, eventually Joe stops them and, you know, destroys the mass device. But 
they still won. It was like the creation of Serpentor. Like they go around mm-hmm. the globe and G.I. Joe keeps trying to stop them. And Cobra's one step ahead of the game the entire time. And they win. They create Serpentor. The Joes lose. You know, so it's like that actually happened a couple of times in the cartoon, which I always liked. Um because it wasn't just like the villains create these gigantic, crazy plans and then, you know, the heroes rush in and stop them and they're like, next time we'll get you and run away. You know, <laughs> it's they, they actually win a few times in G.I. Joe, which is cool. Um, yeah, and I yeah. think if you're, if you're going to do a live action G.I. Joe movie, like you got to up the stakes a little bit. Exactly right. Oh, there yeah. has to you have to get to that second act, like low point where it's. There's no way the Joes are going to win. Like, how are they going to come out of this? You know? Right. And we even saw that in the other two live action movies when, you know, spoiler alert, like they destroyed Paris and London, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> at that point, you're like, oh shit, like, how are they going to bounce back from this? And of course they do. But right. yeah, we have to, we have to get to that point where it looks like there's no way the Joes can prevail. Well, and, and that's kind of the, the idea that I was taken with this is like, I've always liked the idea of the mass device, a, a, a device that can teleport items you know, all over the globe. I thought that was cool. Um, so I was like, okay, take something from the cartoon that is well known in GI Joe lore. Everybody knows the mass device. It's like the mass device and the weather dominator. Those are the two big <laughs> weapons that everyone yeah. remembers. So it's like, how would Cobra use the mass device to actually be threatening rather than, ah, we're going to steal the Eiffel tower and you better pay us money or you'll never get it back. <laughs> you know, like I was like, well, yeah, they would use it to teleport nuclear warheads. Like, you know, 20 feet above a city or something and just like be like, haha, you ain't got time to evacuate. Goodbye. You know, that type of yeah, thing. Yeah. And then blow up one of them as an example, which again, they did in GI Joe retaliation, you know, right. just to, to prove that like, and that would be the moment where like all of us kids in the theater would be like, Oh shit. Like they really did blow up Paris. Damn. <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> and, and can, can we just talk about for a minute how awesome the, the weapon of mass destruction and retaliation is it, a series of satellites that drop tungsten rods onto any city in the globe and create a nuclear blast with none of the fallout. Like, that's just cool. That is is a cool cool weapon. I agree. It's one of the best things about that movie. Like, they actually came up with a cool, like, doomsday device that was, like, genuinely really interesting as opposed to the weird, like, nanomites that, like, eat the Eiffel Tower, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) For some reason, they have to take the warheads to be programmed by a completely different set of scientists, even though Destro created them. Like, what? Why? Why did they have to take them to that other... (laughs) I know, and that was like that was like the Baron de Cobre or whatever, which mm-hmm. they never explained like why his name is like Cobra. And okay, I'm glad you mentioned it though because there's a lot of dumbass things in the Rise of Cobra. But that was the <laughs> that was the only time while I was watching the movie when I sat forward on the couch and I said out loud, "What the fuck are they doing this for?" You know, like <laughs> yes. Yes. Because it was like they they take the three warheads and and then they demand that the Baron like weaponize them now weaponize them we don't have enough time weaponize them and I'm like <laughs> what does that mean what do you mean what 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 does that mean to weaponize them like what do you want him to do exactly like it was never explained <laughs> just what the verb weaponize means especially since when we see them next all he did was like he he put like you know like little rocket like tail fins on them but there's this whole sequence where they're like floating in the air and being like, bombarded <laughs> with lasers and holograms and shit and i'm like what is he doing <laughs> And and all of that weird technology is explained away by somewhere in the near future. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's oh, like, so in the near future, we're going to have weird levitating hologram lasers. Gotcha. 
Yeah, exactly. And like, here's here's the end result. I'm like, that looks like a like a lawn dart when you were finished with it. Like, I could have did that in my garage. You know, it's like a neon like Nerf football. Yes, exactly. That's what it is. It's like, you know, and just a couple weeks ago, for the first time in my life ever, I built one of those like rocket kits. You know, where you yes. you put like a blasting cap in it, and it actually like shoots a real rocket. So I had to construct it, and that's exactly what it felt like. I was putting like little like balsa wood fins on the end of like a cardboard tube, and I was like, <laughs> I did it in a couple hours, man. I got you. I got you. I'll weaponize that shit. <laughs> <laughs> then we'll take it to the park and we'll launch it. Damn it! Woohoo! <laughs> Oh, oh shit. But yeah, like as far as 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 doomsday devices go, I like the idea of using the mass device to teleport nukes. Um and, and like again, there would be that that ticking clock and as much as I hate the to- the Hollywood ticking clock, it works in an action movie. But there there would be that ticking clock trope of like we have X amount of time, like we got to race around the globe before Cobra can install these, you know, these receiver dishes or whatever the re- the the you know, the mass device is going to use to pinpoint the city or the location that they're going to drop the bomb on. And maybe they miss one. Like, you know, they, they don't get there in time. And then Cobra realizes, you know, the device is online. They fucking launch a nuke and like, you know, take out Paris or, you know, take out London or whatever. Um, yeah. And it's like, oh shit. Like that could be that, that low point we're talking about where it's like the Joes failed. Like they, they succeeded a couple of times and we get some cool fights, you know, maybe like, Duke and Roadblock beating the shit out of the Dreadnoughts, you know, something like that. Um, we get a cool, uh, a couple cool fight montages, but then eventually, oh, oh, they didn't get there in time, and now yeah. we, now we lost Paris. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, no, I totally agree, and I think that's that's the story arc for like the Joes as a whole is you have them divided up, right? So first of all, it's like a divide and conquer thing, and in Cobra, I'm sure was thinking of that, right? So yeah. you you divide them up. They're trying to fight like several uh, on several fronts at the same time. And so, yeah, I say, you know, they win some, they lose some, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And the whole time, there's got to be some kind of like ruling body in charge who is like sending the Joes into the field, whether it's like the UN task force or whatever the fuck. I don't know, like some, you know, international organization of like world leaders who are like, you know, calling the shots. And they're losing confidence in the Joes at every single time that they fail. And some one of these receivers, is like set up and maybe there's like a limited like a sort of a minimum number that the cobra needs like they have to have like at least four of them online for it to be able to fire somewhere so that you know so we're going to see the joes lose a couple of times win a couple times and like again the you know the international cabal of world leaders is like you know they're like i said they're losing their confidence and they're like i don't know like you know we might need to like handle this one ourselves or whatever and then I think you mentioned the dreadnoughts. I think the the big failure is with the dreadnoughts. I think this would be a really cool place for us to introduce these characters and have like a, a, a little bit of like a side story that leads to a really cool battle. Where I say the dreadnoughts are not at this point a part of Cobra, but they're like hired guns, and I'm thinking oh, of yeah. them as like they're like they're like the mafia of the Gulf coast. Right. <laughs> so okay. they're in, right. They're in like Florida, they're in like Louisiana and they're, they're like the backwoods mob and they, they, they rule that place. They have their, you know, they own all the bars and, and everyone's paying up to them and they have their, their little like military compounds, their little militia hideouts. And so, you know, Cobra makes a deal with them. Hey, let us come into your territory, you know, and you'll own all of this, the whole Gulf coast, you can just have it. We don't give a shit, you know? And, and so they make a deal. 
they can build your receiver there. And so when the Joes showed up, boom, now they got to face off with, you know, yes. Zartan and, and Ripper and, and Buzzer and the rest of these guys. And this would be a big, awesome fight in like a swamp. It would be a cool, like, yes. you know, visual, like, like visual, like an action sequence. We can even use those fucking like fan boats that are in all the 80s yep. movies, you know, like <laughs> Hell yes. Police Academy five, <laughs> you oh, know, oh, dude. And then, and- I'm but sorry. Course, I, I mean, don't mean to cut you off, but one character we could throw in here. He's not a dreadnought, but it would fit in this Croc Master. Oh, fuck yes. Have hell him, like, yes. you know, sicken alligators on people. Yes. Hell hell to the yeah. We definitely got to get Croc Master in here. Oh, shit. I want to, like, fan cast him now. I got to try and think. Right. Who, else, who else could we do? You know, like, hell, we could do, like, Schwarzenegger or somebody, you know? Some. I mean, yeah, he would fit. Because <laughs> <laughs> Croc Master was a brute. Yeah, he was. He was a. Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome, actually. <laughs> I don't know if he, if he would let us cover his face, though. Uh, <laughs> right, that's, that's true, because he was a big star at that point. Yeah. Oh, shit, dude. No, dude. Kane Hodder. Kane oh, Hodder. fuck yeah. Okay, yeah, Kane Hodder. <laughs> Jason Voorhees himself is Croc Master. Yeah, yes. In the, in the fucking swamp? I mean, yeah, Jason Voorhees is like a fucking swamp monster. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> that'd be so cool. Because I, I was thinking of, what's his name, uh, Crowley from uh, Hatchet. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and this is the big fight where the Joes lose. Right. Yeah. And then uh, they're not going to like kill them, though. But now not only have the Joes lost, uh, uh, Cobra has been able to fire off their weapon. You know, they they prevent they presented their ultimatum to like, you know, the International Leadership Council. And then on top of all that, like, you know, we show on some camera on the news somewhere that it's like now the Dreadnoughts have the Joes like help hostage, you know. So now we've yeah. got holding the whole world hostage and you don't even have your soldiers because we've got those guys, too. And so that's their warning to the other Joes, like stand down or, you know, roadblocks going in like the crock pit or the alligator pit or whatever, you know. See, now, I, this, like, I know we're, we, we don't want to get into the minutia, but I'm just picturing the way this battle would start. Like, so mm-hmm. we have the receiver in the swamp have you know whatever the joe team is show up we definitely have to have some of those disposable characters so we have some grunts and maybe have like you know flash or grand slam one of those guys um and then like yeah like roadblock or like one of the bigger guys Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. down there walking in the swamp and it's like it's quiet there's no one around the receiver's already set up and like let's have uh yeah let's 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 say have flash be like you know we we got to dismantle this so he goes to like get to dismantling the dish and then we're just going to see, like, one of the grunts standing around looking and then get, like, a fucking arrow through the throat and be like, oh, like, dropped out and then see Zartan kind of meld back into the shadows mm-hmm. and then have them looking around, flash look up and just we we're going to see road, road pig holding the sledgehammer over his head oh. and then crushed down. Like, you're not going to see him get kit. You're just going to see the hammer swing to off panel off screen and like blood and be like, oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> he just killed him. <laughs> oh fuck yeah, dude! Okay, and then you know have what? Battle start. Hell yeah! I think we 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 should have Brian Bosworth play Road Pig, and we should have Brian Johnson play Nogahide. <laughs> oh, dude! Yes. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um. Oh, and and I, I need to correct myself too because I realized I'm talking about like the Gulf Coast of America, but I'm like, wait, no, that's dumb. First of all, crocodiles and the the dreadnoughts together screams Australia to me. So this is like this this has to be like Northern Australia, not like the the U.S. coast. Um. You guess, but there's still you know there's still swamps and shit. So it's the same. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but that way you know, the crocodile thing makes a little bit more sense too. Um, well, to, to but yeah, fair, Croc, I'm, I'm totally on board. Crocmaster was called Crocmaster, but he always had alligators too. 
So. I know, but still, but the dreadnoughts are primarily they all have those like Australian accents and shit. So yeah, way, I mean, they're, they're basically like, the Mad Max of Cobra or Mad Max exactly. uh, villains of Cobra. Yeah, which is why it's perfect that Mel Gibson plays is Zartan. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, like picture that type of fight where like shit. right away we we kill just like. And like a brutal kill too, yeah. like right through oh, the yeah. throat, and then like the sledgehammer murder off screen, and you know now we lost like one of the named Joes, and then just like I could picture like Roadblock like wrestling with Crocmaster, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> while alligators yeah. are freaking snapping at grunts and pulling them under the water, like that would be so badass. <laughs> Hell yeah, that, 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 yeah, I think this would be like the big. The, you know, the not the climax of the movie, but it would be that big like second act fight where like you think the Joes are finally going to win. But like, no, they're totally out. They're outmanned, outnumbered. And they're not, you know, they're they're not in their home territory, but the Dreadnoughts are like this is their their yeah. you know backyard and they know everything and they know these swamps and, you know, they're in charge. So, yeah, this and is the big the big fail. To, to be fair, what kid in the 80s didn't love the Dreadnoughts? Like, yeah, they were the bad guys, but everybody loved the Dreadnoughts. So you got to let them let them let them win this fight. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, so now we have to come bounce back from this. So that's so that's the problem. Right. So right. we have we have our the mass device is active. Enough of the receiver units are in place. They've destroyed like a major city. And, um, you know, the dreadnoughts have won and they've killed a couple of the Joes and they have the rest of them hostage. The other Joes who are, you know, in other parts of the world, you know, they're scattered to the winds and now they're like afraid. Like, what do we do? They're going to kill our brothers in arms, but they're also, you know, they could nuke a, another city. Cause, like these guys fucking mean business, you know, <laughs> Cobra Commander's right. not, not screwing around. Um, <laughs> oh, Dude, okay, wait, I'm sorry. I, I just thought of something that would, would make a lot of sense. The, the whole Cobra Law thing, like, we will get to that. But what if the whole reason that, that uh, you know, Mindbender and his group are in Antarctica in the first place is to set up the receiver, you know, but mm. that's how they that's how they got away with getting Cobra Commander to send them there. Like, oh, maybe, maybe like that's it. why Mindbender was like, oh, I'll go with this team. So he's like leading this team because, you know, they're going to have like certain Cobra operatives that are higher up in the ranks, like maybe Tomax and Zaymon are leading another one, you know, that kind of mm -hmm. thing. Um, so he's going to lead this group and maybe he handpicks a couple like the demolitions guys, you know, and we don't know, like, like this isn't part of the plot yet. We're just like focusing on mass device like that's the, the movie. And then yeah. when we get to the Joes fighting the Cobra in, in Antarctica, you know, we get the epic battle and then Mindbender slips away. He's like, you know, keep them distracted. And he slips away. Ooh, yeah. And then you see what he's really after. And like, so we're going to get that, like, you know, that cliffhanger at the end of the movie. But then when we do part two, we can get all this explanation and see like a flashback scene of, you know, Mindbender learning all this stuff about Cobra Law, figuring out like where the civilization ended, like, and maybe, maybe it was as simple as like, they built that, you know, giant, uh, you know, civilization before mankind existed. Maybe this is like Pangea when they built that. And yeah. it just... Or at the very least, it could be like, you know, pre-Ice Age, right? Because we've had yeah. like like four or five like major Ice Ages. And at one point, Antarctica was not frozen. So, yeah, maybe this yeah. is just where, where their civilization was based. And at one point, like the Earth just froze too cold for them. You know, they're, they're probably cold-blooded, you know what I mean? Yeah. And they, just, they can't survive. And so, yeah, the humanity basically was able to take over. And, you know, they and the survivors just, you know, they went into some level of uh you know hibernation or there's another scientific word for it when 
like right. amphibian when, when amphibians go into like this you know this sort of like hyper hibernation type sleep um yeah and i think that's perfect so now there's like they've been disturbed right so they're right. They're, they're like wait awakening like early or something well, yeah, because, I mean, you figure, like, okay, so, yeah, so let's say that was where their civilization started, and it, like, branched out across the globe. So that's how we mm-hmm. have the intermingling with, with mankind. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, this is where their civilization began. Uh, yeah. So their, their their empire, their their architecture, all that stuff is there. But then maybe it was trapped under the ice or, you know, whatever, destroyed over time. So when Mindbender, like, kind of goes in, like, narrows down, we're going to find preserved bodies in the ice. Like, they're dead, you know, like we'll see the mm-hmm. corpse of Globulus, but it's it's like, you know, trapped in ice and he's going to you know, get some kind of like drill and a long needle and like extract DNA from it. But then when he's doing that, maybe because like the tomb or whatever was disturbed, that's what awakens Nemesis Enforcer. So like the third act of this mini fight, we're going to get like Nemesis Enforcer awaken and just start fucking wrecking fools, <laughs> you know, and both Cobra <laughs> and Joe has to escape. And be like, what the hell was that? And even leave the viewer yeah. being like, it would be like that moment in um, The Golden Child when it's like, you know, we it, it's it's all just kind of weird mysticism and all that. But then all of a sudden you just see the snake woman and you're like, what the hell was that? Yes. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> and then they move on like it never happened. So it would kind of be <laughs> yeah. like one of those moments where it's like, what the hell was that bat winged thing? <laughs> you know, we'll find <laughs> out in the sequel. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So, okay. I, I, I'm loving all that. Yeah. And, and we can kind of downplay that, you know, that side plot a little bit. Like obviously Mindbender went there for a reason, right. you know, we, we maybe do a couple of little scenes ahead of time where it's like, Hmm, this guy's doing something shady on the side. We don't know what yet until we see this. Yeah. So we, we can even have these be like two big action sequences kind of at the same time, maybe even like inter, you know, intercut. Like we have exactly. the, bat, the battle in the Australian like swamp and then we have the battle in like Antarctica in the ice, you know, and um, uh, the Joe, do the Joes lose the one in Antarctica? Are they even there or is it just Cobra versus, you know, Sh- uh, Cobra Lock? I keep wanting to say Shangri-La every single time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that the Joes win because Cobra being led, being led by Mindbender, they weren't really there to to install the device anyway. Like he wasn't worried about that. So maybe like when the Joes show up to stop Cobra from installing the device and, you know, Mindbender's off doing his thing, you know, like the Joes blow up the receiver or whatever. And then, you know, Cobra's fighting back. Mindbender finally, you know, gets back, like runs from Nemesis and Force or whatever. We see Nemesis and Force show up like fucking, you know, elbow spear a few vipers. And then, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, the Joes are like, holy crap, they're fighting back and the Cobras retreat. So maybe it's as simple as like, you know, uh, we see that G- the G.I. Joe technically wins the battle for the mass device. Yeah. But what the fuck was Mindbender up to that time? Right. Of yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Oh, I love that. OK. Um, so now we need to now we're we're kind of painting into a corner because it's like, shit. OK, so the Joes have lost everywhere. Cobra commanders in charge of the world. Now what? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> there's got to be. So I. Just from like a pure storytelling perspective, like okay, there's a couple of roads to go down. Like we're we're at a we're at a fork here, right? So mm-hmm. we can we can the Joes find some like sneaky way to take down the mass device, like you know, like they were doing in really both of the live action movies. Where, like take a small group and like infiltrate some like Cobra base or outpost somewhere, and like you know put like a 
computer virus in or some you know, bullshit. Right. Right. And then we could do that or we could do, you know, Cobra Cobra is taken down by its, itself. Like Cobra Commander does something ridiculous and like fucks up his own plan. Right. Or he's got other dissenters got in the it. ranks like Destro. Right. So go ahead. All right. <clears throat> so <laughs> this is totally going to be like that. Uh 80s uh we don't know technology how technology works type of thing like you know war games um <laughs> yep we're, we're gonna we're gonna play fast and loose with actual technology here so uh, gi joe is losing at every turn you know cobra has has finished setting up the mass device they've made an example by blowing up well, we'll just say paris because you know why not so they blow up paris it's gone <laughs> uh world leaders have no faith in left in gi joe they're pulling the plug they're uh, submitting to Cobra Commander's rule. By all accounts, Cobra Commander has won. Yep. Now, um, maybe he says something like, and to make an example of, you know, those that dared defy me, you know, Washington, D.C. will be taken off the map. You know, so he's going to drop a nuke on D.C. So we're going to have characters like maybe uh, Breaker and Mainframe and Dial Tone, like our tech guys. <laughs> nice. You know, they're going to set up another receiver. Only this receiver is sent to redirect to another location. So they find out the coordinates of Cobra Ooh, Island. Nice. So yes, we see yes. the nuke. We see the nuke teleport, but then the receiver gets different directions and it drops it right outside the Terradrome or wherever the you know Cobra <laughs> Temple is, and yeah. just fucking annihilates half of Cobra's force. And then like the other you know uh, Joes that are left. You know, come in on the freaking like devil fish and the, the other boats like around Cobra Island, just nice. like led by Sergeant Slaughter, just fucking wrecking fools. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is this is totally like, you know, sci fi military 80 shit where it's like, we're not going to explain how any of this actually works. No, of course not. Yeah. No. And I like this, too, because and you mentioned Sergeant Slaughter where, you know, we, we've seen the Joes like, you know doing their thing they're in the field but you know slaughter is like a like a drill sergeant or whatever right he's like a trainer so yeah maybe that's what it was it's like we knew about him and maybe nobody was really thinking about him because he's like oh you know he's like an over the hill you know he, he's like jesse the body ventura's character in the running man right where it's like right. he has to come out of retirement and so he was sort of like this you know hidden gun that the joes have because they were like yeah well, this fucking slaughter will do it you know he'll right he'll go he'll go in so yeah so i think it's cool if we if we have to have like the terradrome and like cobra island let's say let's have both of them but have them be in different places because yeah we could totally nuke like the fucking terradrome in the middle of the ocean somewhere you know and just wipe it out and then at the same time now we're gonna we're gonna in you know storm the beach at cobra island you know which is like because the joes have figured out at some point that well cobra commander is not really at the terradrome the terradrome is like the big flashy thing you know it's oh, where I all right it. you know what i mean where it's like that's where the world thinks he is and that's where all the all the cobra vehicles and the soldiers and armaments are there but of course cobra commander is not going to be there because he doesn't want to make himself a target so him and his like little you know uh inner circle they're somewhere else they're hiding out in springwood <laughs> of course go. they're hiding out in Springwood. That's, <laughs> of course they are. And, and that's the thing. Like that was the whole thing with Cobra is it was a front. That whole city was was mm -hmm. or that whole town was a front for Cobra. And they had like all those underground bunkers and all that. Like mm -hmm. that was where they were building their tech. And it was like, yeah, their their uh, their main base of operations was the Terradrome. Everyone knew about Cobra Island. Like we can't get to it because it's so well defensed, you know. But 
Meanwhile, here's Cobra Commander and like, you know, Destro and shit hiding out underground in Springwood. Um, oh. It just looks like an all-American town. So, oh, dude, 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 dude. So, yes, this is perfect. So some at some point early in the movie, we mentioned that Slaughter is like, you know, he's a trainer or we see him on a screen somewhere. And he's talking about like all these these all these new guys, you know, these, <laughs> the, you know, these chuckleheads and tunnel rats yeah. or whatever. Right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and then and that but that that's that's that shit we talked about earlier where it's like you got to mention something earlier on and then bring it back. Right. So it doesn't come out of nowhere. So then yeah. later on, we get to this point where we're at the total low point. Right. And then. Like, just like you said, you have your, like, little tech group, and, and we split the plot, just like we've done all along, two different plot lines. You have your tech group who's going to go off, and they're going to, like, try to infiltrate and reprogram the um, the receiver devices, right, to teleport the nuke somewhere else. At the same time, you you see, like, you know, we, we, we just pan to, like, small town in America, you know, and it's, like, just normal people walking around. And then, you know, some big guy gets out of his, he pulls his car over and gets out of his car. Like maybe it's like a hotel and he walks in, he's like room for the night. He takes us half off his hat and gives the guy his like ID. Dude looks at it, looks at him, looks at it. And he's like uh, slaughter, huh? That's your real name. <laughs> you know? And it's, <laughs> yes. And it's like the viewer won't know. It's just like this weird town where it's like, and then you see, you see like some like, you know, mom with her kids, like, you know, she's like kind of peering around the corner a little suspicious and maybe she like reaches in and like, you know, cocks a gun, you know, in her dress or something. And right. it's like, what is going on in this place? You know, but don't really explain it too much until, you know, we, so, yeah, again, you know, when, as soon as the, the bomb goes off at like the terror drum and like, you see like siren alarms and sirens and shit start going off in Springwood. Cause like, this is not a drill and all the totally normal people just like, you know, they're pulling machine guns out of their baby carriages and stuff. And like, <laughs> you know, like, yes. and this is when slaughter and all of his guys who they've been slowly moving in. And it's like all it's, it's all the, the new recruits. It's all the, you know, the rookies oh, and dude, shit. Yeah, and they've, like and no one knew it. Exactly. No one knew about them because they were all like the new guys. So that's how Cobra didn't know who they were. And they they were slowly moving in. They were just like traveling through town. They came in like one by one by one here and there. So there's the dude at the McDonald's and, you know, slaughters at the hotel. And yeah. maybe some maybe some guy was like getting gas, you know, like uh, fucking Mace or was it Mer- Mercer is like Mercer, getting gas. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, I love <laughs> and, it. And then, and then they, they, yeah, they, they just start like a fucking firefight, and uh, you know, of course, you know, Cobra Commander's freaking out because they just blew up the terror drone, and now he's got Joe's like literally in his backyard. Yep. Oh, dude. So okay. So yeah. So I think when the when the uh, the nuke goes off on, on Cobra Island, um, you know, takes out like half the terror drone. Like I'm picturing like it falling slightly off target, so it doesn't like land right on the the terror drone, but like mm-hmm. blows up half of it. So it's like. There's soldiers pouring out of the the terror drone. Um, there's a bunch of chaos and murder and all that. But then you see the Joes for like the 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 landing, you know, the landing party uh, getting on the beach and just gunning down soldiers as they're like running out of the terror drone. And I feel like this is where we could have the Storm Shadow Snake Eyes fight. Oh, nice. Yes, we got to have that. So have you know. To. You know, Snake Eyes maybe like he's one of the Joes on that landing party, and you know he's like effing up you know, vipers and cobra troops left and right and then like you know throwing star comes flying past him and just misses him and he looks over and there's storm shadow and of course they run off and have their epic fight um and this could be also like maybe why we think storm shadow is gonna die because like they end up fighting their way into the terror drone and maybe mm. like we see them on like the, the what's left of it as it's like starting to collapse and like you know snake eyes gets the upper hand you know, we 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 have to have the the face reveal moment where Chow Yun Fat would take his mask off. Maybe like Snake Eyes hits him across the face with his blade, and he's got like a scar across it now. 
mm-hmm. then like he ends up hitting him or, or like the, you know fight with a like a throwing dagger or something and storm shadow falls into the flames of nice. the burning pterodrome so we're like oh maybe he's dead kind of like the the battle in, in the rise of cobra where he falls yeah. into the freezing waters <laughs> and it's like yeah. he must be dead and then oh there he is part two um because we can't kill storm shadow no it will and let me jump in here real quick too because i think that that would be a great like subplot for the second movie and the more mm-hmm. grounded of the plot lines like if we're going to go like all sci-fi fantasy with the, the cobra law shit we could then also explore like snake eyes and his relationship with storm shadow and then go full-on ninja right with like jinx yeah. and all on all the rest of them so yeah so in this movie again Earlier on, there has to be one of those one of those fights that Joe's lost. Storm Shadow has to like get the upper hand of Snake Eyes and then like like escape, right? And yeah. then you know, and then later on when you see him again, it's like eyes. Ah, and like now they're gonna have their you know their their uh, their showdown. You know they're gonna uh, their round two, right? And this right. is where Storm Shadow says something about oh like you've won this time, brother. You know before he goes right. into like the flames. So it's like wait, what do you say? You know so people who might not be familiar with the character's background would suddenly have something interesting because these are the two most bad characters in the movie and now oh there's a connection and we didn't we didn't get we didn't get to explore here yet so it's like another hook for the sequel i'm sorry but that, that made me think of oh my god have you ever seen this totally off topic sorry get folks for the rabbit trail but have you ever seen the robot chicken episode uh with of uh, enter the fat one it was joey fatone <laughs> i don't think so it sounds kind of familiar it's, though it's this like like martial arts battle where like joey fatone has to like avenge the fallen members of NSYNC and like he fights all these different like Mortal Kombat characters and all that and then he fights Storm Shadow and they're like they're they're fighting and then you know uh Joey Fatone goes to punch him and you see the Arashikagi tattoo on his arm and oh. Storm Shadow just goes oh we have a same tattoo like, and, then, <laughs> and then Joey Fatone punches him in the chest and explodes his heart oh shit <laughs> well, when you said like brother, I in my head I heard we have the same tattoo. <laughs> oh my god, sorry, oh, I, had to, I had to go no, down the rabbit trail. <laughs> well, so I'll say the rabbit trail too. Like I, you, I was gonna mention it before because you mentioned Brian James's buzzer, and the whole time I'm like Brian James, like I know that guy. Where do I know him from? And it was bugging me because I'm like I know I know him, and I'm like oh shit, like <laughs> I, I know him from Enemy Mine and yes. the wrong the wrong guys. <laughs> he was also in Tango and Cash. Yeah. And- Oh, yeah. um, he would. Oh, what's the the? Oh God, is it House Three? I think yeah, House Three. Um, that technically isn't a house movie, but they put House <laughs> on. It, it's terrible. But he's the villain in House Three. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but he's in a bunch of movies. Yeah, shit. I don't know why I didn't think about him before. I was like, oh yeah, that fucking guy. Like, <laughs> he always he always looked like he had a car battery connected to his testicles. Like he's yeah. <laughs> he's always just like ah, like really hyper. Exactly. He's like uh, like clenched teeth. There's like a person, you know, like <laughs> his neck were always standing out. Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah. But yeah, th- th- those are like two very, very different movies. I know him from the wrong guys and enemy mind. <laughs> oh, man. No, so I love this. Right. So I, I love this. So, yeah. So we have. You know, we have the Joes, you know, they get the upper hand. They blow up the uh, Cobra Island and the Terradrome. We have the Snake Guy Storm Shadow like showdown. All the Joes are pouring onto the island and taking out everything that's left of Cobra, just fucking wiping them out. It's, you know, God's wrath on Cobra Island. And then in Springwood, you've got, you know, the Marauders who were, you know, just taking names all over the fucking place because these are like, you know, backup soldiers and shit, you know, who are right. just like 
living in this town. And of course, you know, Cobra Commander has to like get away, but you know, they've got to, they've got to get somebody like they've got to, you know, they got to, you know, take Destro or Major Blood or somebody like they capture him for, okay, you know, we, we win, you know, but of course, Cobra Commander like gets away. And, yeah. uh, I'm thinking of him like he's getting on his like little uh, sorry his little like video com like early cell phone thing you know like they had yeah. in these old movies and he's like on the on a bad uh, grainy video with uh, Doctor Mindbender like you know Mindbender like we we've, we've lost like retreat retreat you know yeah we have to have the Cobra Commander <laughs> retreat <laughs> you know and he's like you know regroup at blah 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 and then we move to Mindbender of course this would be like after we get the whole like denouement with the Joes you know high fiving each other and they win the day and you know the international league welcome them back and blah 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 but i'm thinking you know the cobra is more more interesting so <laughs> right yeah but this is how we lead into that like that scene with uh dr mindbender so you know we see uh cobra commander telling him to retreat and meet me at wherever and then mindbender like turns off the comm and he's like you know oh never fear cobra will rise and that's when you see like the serpentor hand come up yes. out of some like cocoon of like you know glowing <laughs> green liquid or some shit and it's like dun 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 and you play that music over there right. over the, the oh. <laughs> so yeah, so I, I think in Springwood we, we would have uh, you know like obviously Slaughter leading the leading the charge like you said, taking out soldiers left and right, and they would find the bunker like you know it it, it doesn't have to be elaborate just like the Cobra mm-hmm. bunker under like you know, maybe maybe it's under like you know City Hall or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so they make their way in there and it's like Cobra Commander escapes. We could even have like some kind of like I don't know like a bullet train or something underneath. Like a subway thing, like a, yeah, like a yeah, snake, yeah. you know, yeah, exactly. escaping, <laughs> but have it be like um, Slaughter and, 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 you know, Slaughter and the Marauders, they catch Baroness and Destro nice. and basically be like, now your armaments have stopped. Like, so Cobra is going to be unarmed. Oh, like, perfect. Yeah. We, we took away your weapons dealers, um, but they don't know about the crazy lab that Mindbender has where he's maybe he's working not only on Serpentor, but maybe mm. we could see like for those of us paying close attention, we could have like bl- blueprints hanging on the wall for like a Cobra bat, the 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 super soldier uh, robot oh, yeah. type yeah, of yeah. thing. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, That'd be cool. Yeah. And so like we could we could do that thing where it's like, you know, he gets off the comm, like you said, with with uh, Cobra Commander as he escapes his, in his on his little bullet train. Um, and like he hits, hits a switch and like, yeah, you have that, like the cryogenic tube, like open, like smoke pour out and all this green liquid come out of it. And then just have, you know, the, the, the scaly, like clawed hand of the, the new Serpentor, like the Cobra La Serpentor, like grip, grip the side of the, uh, of the cryogenic t- uh, container and have him be like, you know, like, all right, Serpentor, all right. <laughs> And then, boom, credits. <laughs> exactly. And then in part two, we'll cast Lance Hendrickson as Serpentor. <laughs> oh, dude. Dude. <laughs> yes. Yes, we will. <laughs> I was thinking about it the whole fucking time. I'm like, who do we get? Who do we get? And then... <laughs> Fuck yeah. Yes, you mentioned we will. I was thinking about Sigourney Weaver and uh, and Bill Paxton, and I'm like, yeah, okay, it's just just like they live is like so packed with you know actors, and then of course Michael Bean too in Aliens. It's like, okay, well, so someone else from Aliens, and then it was just the most obvious choice, right? Right. Oh, dude, Lance <laughs> Hendrickson would be fucking awesome for that. I love it. 
I love it, man. Oh, this is awesome. Okay, cool. No, I love this. I, I think we, I think we've come up with something pretty interesting that uses a ton of Joes. The storyline isn't like so overly complicated. It does, it does that weird like you know, uh, late eighties, early nineties hand wavy thing with like the technology that no one really understands anyway. You know, <laughs> we get. To, we get to have all all of the, the the celebrities whose kids love the Joes who like pressure them into acting in the movie. So you know, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> get to get you know Mel Gibson and shit in this. And uh, yeah, dude, I'm I'm fucking stoked on this one. I thought this one worked out pretty well. And th- this is one of those those few examples uh, of of movies that we have created on this show, where I feel like we could easily come back and do part two. Like we set up enough groundwork in this that if yeah. listeners are like, you know what, what would you do for GI Joe Part Two? Like, yeah, I feel like we could come back and do a sequel. Now I know we've discussed our Arnie verse, and and that will happen. <laughs> like it we will, will be we will be doing movies that fit into that Arnie verse at some point. Um, so I, we will touch on sequelizing our own stuff at some point. <laughs> yes, we'll get in there. Sequels will happen for sure. But I feel like this this is a a prime candidate for that, which is funny because I was so nervous going into it. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, like I said, I did a lot of homework in this one because not only did I have to watch three movies, but then I was like looking at all the Joe toys and I was like thinking about the fan cast and I was trying not to think too much about a story. I was just, okay, pack information into my head and right. like, it'll, it'll come together. And I think that's exactly what we did. And, but what happened, this is what always what happens though, is, you know, we both come in here nervous cause we don't know what we're going to do. And except I had this one little nugget of an idea and you have a little nugget in an idea and somehow like the Venn diagram of those two ideas <laughs> overlapping is like where the light bulb goes off and, and it becomes, right. it, that becomes the impetus for the whole thing. It's crazy. I, I, <laughs> I'm genuinely happy with, with what we did here. Um, and that's a, okay. So that's two eighties properties from our childhood that, that had films that, uh, I feel like we would have enjoyed these films more. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Our, our masters of the universe, I think would have been far superior to the one we got. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, Golan Globus did a lot of cool stuff in the 80s, but uh, Masters of the Universe was not one. No, no. And, and, we, and we didn't even get a live action G.I. Joe movie until, you know, way later beyond the VHS era. So thank God there right. was a cartoon movie. So we, this one would like qualify for the show, you know, and like exactly the other one of the big three would be the Transformers. But like I said, I fucking hated that movie that we eventually got. And I don't I don't know. I don't know. If we could do the Transformers. That might be that would be hard. That one might I, that might might have to just be like a nah <laughs> because yeah. I, I don't know what we would do with it. And and here's the thing with with Transformers is I feel like what we got in the 80s is good enough as it is that I don't feel like we need to try to improv or improve or come up with a sequel to because the sequel was the the cartoon series like they picked up where the movie left off. Um, you know, so we got all that. We got answers to all of our questions. You know, mm. we, we, we got zombie Optimus Prime. I can't, yeah. <laughs> I can't picture us doing something that doesn't involve zombie Optimus Prime anyway. So I know it's the best, the best part. No, I think you're totally right. It, it, Transformers doesn't really fit the criteria of our show because there's no reason why we would need to, you know, improve our favorite movies, TV and games, because we right. don't need to improve that one. They nailed Transformers because they did exactly what you just said is they gave us a great movie based on a great TV show, but then they continued the continuity into the, the TV show over the years. And yeah, 
there there have been some breaks and some reboots and blah 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 but in in terms of the era that we're talking about as kids i was 100 percent satisfied with where the transformers went because it actually went somewhere it wasn't the same bullshit over and over again and so the problem with the joes is it was the same bullshit over and over again unless you're reading the comic book which went to a lot of crazy places but we never really got like that big blockbuster movie that we should have had and i think something like this that we just did is cool because we can put tons of characters in it just jam pack it but we'll have enough time to have some fun with it and get to know the characters a little bit because the plot is you know it's pretty it's pretty simple honestly but i'm glad i'm glad we came up with it because you know i I didn't have anything for a plot going into this so (laughs) i think i guess simple is probably better well and plus like with this type of an action movie i mean you got to figure with gi joe it's it's going to be a popcorn action movie and if you look at the types of action movies we got in the 80s uh, like Predator, for example, Commando, uh, those types of films where it's like, yeah, they're just popcorn action films. They're memorable as all hell because they're so much fun, but they're just simple plot, you know, fun mm-hmm. action movies. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it doesn't need to be complicated, you know, and and, and I think with a cast this huge uh, complexity would have been our, our, our enemy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I think that that's a big part of what bit the rise of cobra movie in the ass is mm-hmm. you know they shot themselves in the foot for another metaphor that you know because they tried to make the movie so complicated and they wanted to give a backstory to like everybody and you know why did destro become destro why did cobra commander become a cobra commander and you know all this stuff and how did the baroness become whatever it's like it's too right. much and then when they got into the plot it was just i don't know nanomites or magic or some shit i guess you know nanomites <laughs> <laughs> are <are> magic <laughs> I mean, you're uh, not wrong. <laughs> right. And like, I, I don't really want to get into all the backstory. We don't need the backstory of every single character. I, we need a little bit of Cobra Commander. We need a little bit of, you know, uh, Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow. And, you know, maybe maybe a little bit of Mindbender, but that's really more of like what his recent history is, not necessarily his origin story. I think right. the only thing that we could maybe use that we didn't have was, other than Sergeant Slaughter, we never really named like okay here's a specific joe that will do the specific job well we mentioned roadblock so you know i think we would need to say okay who are the focal characters like we're going to focus on you know who's a a duke for example a roadblock whoever but who are the characters that our viewers are gonna you know sympathize with be the avatars for the for the audience to learn things from you know um and i think that's the only thing that's really missing here but like whatever like we're that's just details at this point and, th- and th- that's the thing, like, I-, I feel like we would have to split the Joes into so many different scenes. So we would have, you know, that scene with I almost feel like Cobra is the main uh, the main cast in this film, because like sure. we would have, you know, uh, like Duke and Scarlet and like Snake Eyes and Zap or something, uh, you know, going up against a group of Cobra operatives in one scene. And then we'd have like, you know, uh, Grand Slam and freaking Roadblock and, you know, Short Fuse and another scene type. You know, we'd have that type of. Uh, dynamic where uh, mm-hmm. each, each receiver that we fight up against is going to have a different grouping of Joes versus unnamed Cobra soldiers and like major blood or like unnamed yeah. Cobra soldiers and like, you know, Zorana or something. Uh, yeah. Well, and I think too, one thing I liked about the Channing Tatum movie in Rise of Cobra is I like the idea of new recruits because then it gives 
the movie an excuse to explain what G.I. Joe is to the audience. So right. it could be as it could be as simple as like, you know, Flint, Charlie Sheen, big actor at the time, young guy, you know, uh, we just have him be a new recruit. And we he doesn't have to be the main character necessarily. He's just the new guy who's and everyone's going to explain shit to him. That's how the audience is going to find out. He's going to get put on one of those like squads. It's like his first you know real big mission. And that's it. That's all we need. Right. We yeah. just need somebody for the audience to join G.I. Joe with, you know, uh, sort of vicariously. Um, and then one thing we mentioned, you know, uh, before we started recording that we didn't mention yet is as we go along and we inter- we see new characters come up on screen, like, hey, Flint, like meet, you know, Duke, he's your commanding officer or whatever. We have to see the the file card from the back of the toy package. Like, <laughs> yes. An outline of it comes up on the screen right around the character's head. And you see a, like a little printout of, you know, real name, whatever, call sign, Duke, you know, blah, 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 specialty and, you know, fun fact or whatever, you know, just, right. just spit something out on the screen. And then we do that at the beginning we, with, with all the characters as flint is just like you know his head's a whirlwind of like meeting so many folks but then as we spin around and we meet all the characters and all the different squads we get all the little file cards up on screen and then that tells the audience all they need they need to know right and i think we we do uh do a, a text crawl at the opening of the movie be like you know it's sometime in the, in the near future type thing you know so there is sci-fi elements mm-hmm. there but have yeah. like you know a, a ruthless terrorist organization known as cobra threatens the globe with you know and kind of have that thing and like so we we know so new audience members because because keep in mind again this is the 80s this this was meant to sell toys to kids this much like the masters of the universe movie it was like we are aiming this at children who are going to buy our toys so the the parents need to know who the fuck these characters are the kids already know so we do like a quick synopsis at the start of the (laughs) film of like you know good guy versus bad guy go type of a thing yeah so you know dad taking little johnny to go see gi joe's like all right so those are the bad guys those are good all right i got it you know we would we would have that basic so we don't need to be like how did gi joe form and how did you know we don't need any of that because our core audience already knows it's kind of like what they did with masters of the universe um and the the actual gi joe movie and transformers movies that we got in the 80s where they didn't take any of that time they were just like yeah, here's G.I. Joe creating a giant energy thing for for all the people, but it's yeah. going to be six billion dollars. And <laughs> Cobra needs it for reasons. Um, who's this Pythona chick? Why does she why is Serpentor dreaming of her? What the hell's that snake guy? Why is that guy got wings? Like, Oh, they didn't they didn't bother to explain anything The the, uh, the G.I. Joe, the movie. It was just another episode of the TV show, but it was two hours long. That's all it was. Exactly. And it was like. Hey, here are new toys you can buy. Yeah, that's all it was. <laughs> that's why they spent so much time with the new characters so the kids could get to know them. And yeah, the dad sit right next to him and be like, big lob, huh? Okay, just, <laughs> you know, whatever. Right. Who the hell's that guy? Who the fuck's that guy? Anyway, so no, this was awesome. I'm glad we did this. Uh, I'm I'm stoked on, you know, get checking off another one of these like major properties from the VHS era. Uh, this is one we've been talking about doing pretty much from the beginning, but I think we were kind of nervous about it. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty stoked that that we did it. So uh, uh, we'll definitely come back and do the sequel. But for now, Mike, any final thoughts? Uh, yeah. Um, the the only thing I, I would say is if anyone listening wants to see other uh, cartoon slash toy properties from this era turned into a film or turned into a different film than the ones we got, let us know what. Because I mean, as you heard us discuss, like Transformers for us, we kind of feel it's off the table. But we never got Thundercats. Could we do something with that? <laughs> 
You know, we uh, never got Silverhawks. Could we do something with that? Don't make me watch those shows. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, you know, I think it would be kind of fun to be like, hey, do an Inhumanoids movie. Like, oh, all right, let, let's play with that. Um, but yeah, if there's if there's any property that people really want, like, let us know. Let's let's see if we can think up something. I think I wonder if we could do the Smurfs as like a horror fantasy, like the Dark Crystal. <laughs> oh, dude! As soon as as soon as you said that, like no joke. As soon as you said that, I'm like, oh, I have an idea. I totally have an idea. Qu- quick pitch, like so, it would be present day, of course, in the 80s. Uh, the Gargamel character would be hallucinating and seeing these weird little blue people all over, thinking he's crazy, and it was actually the Smurfs, like fucking with him. <laughs> nice. he, he got some bad mushrooms and started seeing smurfs <laughs> oh i love it i love it <laughs> so oh right man top, i would love to do like the gummy bears too <laughs> <laughs> oh Every man time i think of the gummy bears i think of that one okay you know there was like the two ogres and like the duke who was always after yeah, the gummy bear. Yeah, yeah. And I always think of the one ogre who's always like, oh, dookie, dookie, dookie. He would call oh, And it's like, they just called their bad guy dookie all the time. <laughs> I feel like all those shows, they were like the same show, but with like different characters, like the gummy bears and even like Fraggle Rock and like the shirt tails. It's like, oh, they're yeah. all just the same show. The Smurfs, that's all they are. They're just the Smurfs with like different skins on them. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Oh man, oh, don't shit. do let's nobody please nobody suggest that we do like a uh like an Arnieverse version of like the shirt tails with like the snorts <laughs> and the smurfs and the gummy bears because oh, I don't know man. if I could handle all that. Like that's one of the, <laughs> I think we could do it, but I don't know if I want to go down that that path. <laughs> I'm just gonna say if we had to do it, we're going crazy. Like we're going crazy with it. Like their shirt tails are, are gonna like it, there's going to be drugs and murder and all sorts of insanity mixed in this. Oh, yeah. No, we're going to go like the Super Mario Brothers live action movie where it's just going to be <laughs> like dark and creepy and like not 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 even really for kids. Like, we're just going to fuck it up. <laughs> we're we're going to call it the shirt tails, but it ain't going to have shit to do with them. Yeah. Fuck those shirt tails. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, oh man. Damn. Awesome. So yeah. so yeah so like mike said uh you know whatever you're listening to this on give us uh, some feedback drop us a comment a rating you know whatever we would love to hear uh your ideas you can find us at raisedbyrentals.com at raisedbyrentals on all the social medias we belong to the rad pantheon a super team of podcasters artists musicians etc sort of an art collective of creative friends supporting each other and helping to spread the word about rad stuff so if you like this show there's a really good chance you'll dig one or more of the other uh, rad pantheon teammate projects over at radpantheon.com or rad pantheon on the social media i have a project on there comics boost where i spotlight crowdfund campaigns for new comic book projects just spell comics with an x in comics boost on instagram Instagram and Twitter. What about you, Mike? Uh, well, uh, we have uh, the Boogeyman's Closet. It's a weekly horror podcast where we talk about all things horror. Um, that is, we are currently doing our remakes and requels month. And uh, so if you're interested in that, check us out at the Boogeyman's Closet on both Facebook and Instagram. Um, and of course, on Rad Pantheon, as well as Count Creepyhead's Saturday Morning Monster Mash, where three grown mad ch- man children talk about toys and bitch about Muppets. <laughs> you guys do bitch about the Muppets a lot. <laughs> we do. 
as much as we love them, we 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 do. <laughs> well, don't you always bitch about the things you love the most because you know people fuck shit up. But no, I uh, <laughs> the, the Muppet Muppets luckily is one of those franchises that I don't think Hollywood has fucked up too badly. Uh, no, there, no. There's some really good Muppets movies out there. But anyway, thanks everyone for tuning in to the Raised by Rentals program. Like we said before, let us know what you think, uh, what property we should improv improve next time. And with that, I'm Josh. I'm Mike. And we have to return some videotapes. Raised by Rentals is a member of the Rad Pantheon Network. Visit radpantheon.com to support Rad Stuff. The theme music is Forbidden Fruit by Velvet Bethany. You can purchase music and learn more at velvetbethany.com. Mm-hmm.